0: Life good. Never on! Come on, Brent. Life good.
1: Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds.
0: Have they no. saved oh. it
1: for her? It. Yes, they
0: have. Ooh! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, good,
1: uh, good evening. How do you do? Oh, I you know I uh, indulged a bit last night uh, in <laughs> in the drinks, so I'm not feeling so hot.
0: Yeah, you're not feeling top uh, top draw here. You know, it's not not, not doing not, it for not you. feeling
1: top draw top draw. <laughs> but sisoki, uh... so
0: there you go. Uh, yes, last night uh, Scott was very fired up for the football match that uh, did not go the way. That, uh Scott or myself, I was hoping for the Bills to win as well, but it was exciting, Scott. And isn't that all you really want? No,
1: I want it to be exciting <laughs> and for the team I like to actually win something. Okay. Sean, you remember how fun it was in 2019 when the Raptors won?
0: Yeah, I do. I want to experience that again. Fair. It's totally fair. And maybe soon, Scott. They're good. They're a good team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Well, you know what else is going to be a lot of fun? The 2022 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts is kicking off on Friday night in Thunder Bay, which, of course, was scheduled to be the host of the 2021 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, which was, of course, postponed and then eventually put into the curling bubble in Calgary last year. So Thunder Bay gets it back. Unfortunately, nobody's going to be able to see it in Thunder Bay unless they're watching on TV as the provincial restrictions have limited access to the building. Nobody other than players or officials and the broadcasters will have access to the building at least until January 31st. There is a chance that with the Ontario rules changing at the end of the month, that by championship weekend, there could be up to 500 fans in the stands for those playoff games but it's certainly not going to be a full house and not the roaring crowd that uh, we've seen in Thunder Bay Got Northern Ontario for as much as some folks don't like that they have their own teams when there's events in that association the folks come out and they uh, they're they're good fans yeah and it's
1: uh you know like they waited so long for this event they're supposed to have it last year And then it gets postponed and now they can't have it sort of in the full way that they were hoping. It's really too bad for the organizing committee and all the folks there in Thunder Bay because you know that they were going to put on a good show and everybody was going to have a good time. So uh, it's too bad. We will get curling on our TVs though. uh, So uh, silver lining there. But uh, hopefully we can get a a full-fledged event back in Thunder Bay uh, as soon as possible.
0: Hopefully. Yeah, and it's rare that you get... A hometown team, right? There's always obviously a home province team, but when you have a hometown team, which would have been the case, or it still is the case for Krista McCarville, it's it's a lot of fun when those teams are are there and, and the fans really get into it, even more so than was just the home province team. So it's yeah. uh, that's that's unfortunate for for them. I know they were really looking forward to it, and, and hopefully they can make the playoffs. And even if it's 500 fans, probably 500 people who like they've all taught or. Like our neighbors, like they'll, they'll like know 495 of them, and uh, so it's, it should yeah. be fun if they can if they can pull that off. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So, a couple changes this year from what we saw last year. Well, one thing is kept the same, but was a change from what was scheduled. 18 teams are back in the field for the Scotties this year. Three wildcard teams they've returned to this 18 team format. But what will be different this year? is there is no championship pool. Of course, championship pool, or the pool plays. the championship pool started in 2018 at the Scotties in, I believe, Penticton uh, that year. And since then, it's been 16 teams to eight into the championship pool, and then to a page playoff. Last year was 18 to eight to a three-team playoff. This year, though, because the playoffs were I th- this is this is my take. The playoffs were slightly unsatisfying. It's not great for TV either to have 8 days of round robin into playoffs even though you're changing from pool play into the championship pool. So, what curling Canada has decided to do and I'm I'm thinking with the full support of <laughs> the Sports Network is go to the model that we've seen at the mixed doubles national championship where we're going to have pool play into a what they're calling a modified page playoff. So the way it'll work is that if you finish first in your pool, you are guaranteed a spot in the page playoff. The second and third place teams will cross over and play each other in a game. The losers of those games are out. They are eliminated. The winners will play the first place finishers and the two winners of those games will play in the one, two game. The losers go to the three, four game. It's got does that explanation one makes sense, and I, I believe I was accurate in what I was saying. And two, do you like this change?
1: It makes sense, yes, Sean. And I think uh, having seen it at uh one of the most recent events to, to qualify
0: for the trials, uh, right? It was at the pre trials we saw this format, I believe it was just the mixed doubles, but it could have been the pre trials too. I can't, I can't remember.
1: Uh, it might have been the mixed doubles, you, you, yeah. So It makes sense. Do I like it? I think what with this change, someone can win the Scotties without having played some of the the best teams. You know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like, it's not as fair a system, I'll say, because you're not being forced to play everybody even when they have the championship pool okay you're not playing everybody but you're playing all the teams that are at the top so in that in that sense you know you still have to go through the gauntlet maybe okay you don't play some of the the weaker provinces but big deal probably you would have won that anyway so that's that that's where I am with that I, I don't think it's inherently as fair but Given the, the turnaround with which they added these extra wildcard teams, uh, I don't think they could have done anything else to start on Friday and then uh, with a full day like we saw last year.
0: Yeah, the solution would be starting earlier on Friday. You'd have to start Friday afternoon if you want to get pool play into a normal page Mm -hmm. that's not ideal certainly you'd have to so that would be starting friday afternoon filling in the saturday morning slot which currently doesn't have a game scheduled playing straight through so that i mean it's possible but just from a kickoff standpoint that's not really what you want to do and you you certainly i don't think want to go to three again in the playoffs when you especially if you're going to have a tie break it was kind of unfair last year so I don't know. It's not ideal. It's a one-year fix, but it is something to consider that there is this push now. A lot of people want to stick with this 18-team format. It does lead to questions about what you do for playoffs and how you're going to do it because you cannot, I don't think, have an 11-day event. I think that is just It's too much. Even at, Right now, it's at 10 days. Uh, or it's part mm-hmm. of 10 days, which I think is pushing it a little bit, right? You're pushing your audience, you're pushing your participants and what's the breaking point. I don't know, but it is something to think about that. If, if curling can and the fans want 18 teams, there's going to have to be a, a give somewhere and and what yeah. that'll be, who knows?
1: Yeah. And I think what's better about this is that uh, there is a little more margin for error from the team's, you you do have to finish top three in your pool, but it's it's a little bit easier to say that than to finish top three in the whole field just to make the playoffs, right? So there is more of a chance for a team, you know, that still does well, finishes third in their pool. There's still like a, a path for them. Whereas when you go over to the championship pool, the the teams that are in you know that seven and eight spot basically have no chance.
0: And with the exception of 2018, that's what we've seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's that, that's a little more, uh, make, makes that pill a little easier to swallow, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. and in terms of not playing everybody, it, it's true, yes, you, you won't have to necessarily play everybody. But you could also make the argument that in the old system, you didn't necessarily have to beat everybody either. So you, you no. could go through, lose to a team in the round robin, that team loses in the playoffs to somebody else. And then you go on to win a championship. So is that that much different? I guess it maybe is, but who who knows? This is the system. This is what it's going to be. It's never going to be determining purely the best team, which would just be line everybody up, play everybody. Most wins at the end of the week wins. And you don't have a right? That's how you would actually determine the best team. But this is what we have. So once again, we have two pools. Pool A, Pool B, Scott, before we get into the pools, I I was thinking this afternoon, do we think that there might be an advantage to the non-trials teams? So the, the teams that did not play in the Olympic curling trials in November because they have been able to set their schedules a little more to the Scotties, gear their seasons towards this particular event, whereas the trials teams are coming off, not only trying to get up and peak for the trials in late November, but also the disappointment then of not winning the trials. And we saw in 2018, it was a weird event. Jennifer Jones ended up winning, but it was a weird event throughout. Do we think Mm -hmm. that that might happen here? Maybe, maybe.
1: I think that given that the trials were like a little bit earlier this year, I guess just a week, but that might mean, okay, we've had a little more time compared to four years ago, uh, to kind of put that behind us. I think the, what the real advantage that we're going to see is from the teams that had an opportunity to play in playdowns, uh, get those games under their belt because, uh, you know, for a team like Krista McCarville, that doesn't play regularly very much on tour. Then coming into this event without even having to go through their provincial Will we see some rust in the first couple of games and with you not playing everybody, every game is that much more important this time. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that affects them. I, I, that's what I would put it at. Like the, the teams that are good are still going to be good. And I don't think Carrie Anderson losing at the trials is going to carry over into this kind of an event they'll, they'll be one of the favorites.
0: So, all right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you, it's interesting. You mentioned the Chris McCarvel situation. They probably haven't been able to be on ice at all in a while, uh, given the provincial yeah. restrictions here, same with Holly Duncan and her team. Uh, so forget just the lack of games, just the lack of potential opportunities for practice. Uh, could have been a, mm-hmm. could have been a struggle for for those two teams, but let's get into it, Scott. As always at these events, two pools: Pool A and Pool Number Two. One of these pools is much much better than the other one. Uh, I would I would argue. Now they're they're done with a formula. Each each team is ranked based off of their position on the CRTS points or CTRS points. And it's divvied up. So it's even based on the points in the rankings. I would argue that this is not even remotely even based on who these teams are. And that especially over the past two years where opportunities to get points have been so fragmented that the rankings are somewhat meaningless at this point. But this is the system. It's probably the most fair way to determine the two pools. But Scott, are you with me that one of the pools is uh, decidedly stronger than the other?
1: Yes, yes. Pool A is much, much stronger than Pool
0: B. Yes, uh, I agree. So Pool A is uh, the three wildcard teams of Tracy Flurry and uh, Chelsea Carey and Emma Miskew skipping for the absent Rachel Holman, who is, of course, on her way to Beijing. The rest of the field is Saskatchewan and Penny Barker, PEI with Suzanne Burt, Northern Ontario with Krista McCarville. New Brunswick and Andrea Crawford, Sarah Hill from Newfoundland and Labrador and Bridget McPhail from Nunavut. And uh, yeah, that's a pretty loaded pool.
1: Yeah. That's they've never had three wildcard teams in the same pool because they've only had it once. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. But that's, that's kind of murderers row when you think about it and, and so like Tracy Fleury, number one on the CTRS rankings. Yeah. And then number two is Jennifer Jones, who's not there. So then you go to three and four and we'll talk about who will Walker and Anderson. And then you get right back to Chelsea Carey and Rachel Holman, And a lot of those points that they earned this fall, Chelsea Carey's rink played a lot, uh, gearing up for the Saskatchewan Scotties. But uh, Rachel Holman's team didn't. They earned most of those points trying to get into the Ontario provincial, and and so, yeah, it's it's weird to use these points to to determine this, but there there is no other way to do it.
0: No, and I think the 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 issue here isn't so much the top three because the top three in, in both pools are really good. The top three four are are very good in both pools. Yeah. It's when you get to the bottom where it kind of breaks, unfortunately for Krista McCarville, for instance, who's ranked lower. They don't play a lot. They're number 12, but yeah. they don't play a lot. So they get put into this pool, uh, which is very good. And then just for kicks, let's throw Suzanne Burton there too, uh, who's a great yeah. player, who 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 certainly is more than capable of making a playoffs or in a normal year, making the championship pool. So you're looking at five, I think, really strong teams. Penny Barker... Not a lot of experience here and when she's been here before hasn't had a lot of success, but if you get out of Saskatchewan, you're good. They don't win a lot nationally at at this level, but if you get out of that province, you're good and you can win games. So it's going to be really tough for people to come through. And then Andrea Crawford's another one, like a lot of experience, good player a good team, all of whom have been here a bunch. They they know how to win games at this level. They're, they're not going to go undefeated in any field at Escotties, but they're good and they can win and they'll give you a good game. So you're looking at out of the nine teams, seven are really good and experienced. And it, it's going to be a, a real tough slog to get out of this. And this might be why the new playoff structure might be fairer for these teams, because if they're just going to beat up on each other, and you get more yeah. of a separation in the other pool, potentially the the four that would come out of this pool could be coming out with maybe the, the best team has two losses, uh, probably not right. three, but, but two is not, would not be crazy that the first place team here has two. And so you might be starting at a deficit relative to the other pool, but this is going to be a, mm-hmm. every time pool A is on, it's going to be a good game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's going to be no shortage of
0: options for TSN in pool A for sure. Yes. So I got a couple things for each team here, Scott, or really one thing for each team I just want to talk about. So let's go through based on the ranking, and we'll start with Tracy Fleury, top-ranked team in the country. And the question here is, can there be a letdown for Tracy Fleury? The way they lost that final at the trials, very difficult. You thought that they had lost it, then you thought they had won it, and then they lost it again. Uh, so just the, the mm-hmm. roller coaster of that, they missed the playoffs at the Manitoba Scotties, went five and three in the, the second pool, missed the playoffs. Everyone else was the three teams at six and two to get in. Is there a chance that they're not up for this event in the way that we saw them be great at the trials?
1: Yeah, Sean, as someone who has recently undergone some emotional roller coaster, um, <laughs> Thinking, thinking, a team had won and then lost and then lost and anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely possible for them to experience that letdown. We saw, like you mentioned, they missed the playoffs in the Manitoba Scotties. Was uh, that was incredible? Like no yeah. one could have foreseen that, especially with Jennifer Jones not in the field. Uh, so I think that was their letdown. So now maybe that they've gotten that letdown out of their system. They're still getting to come back to this event as the wild card number number one seeded team. So I'm going to say that their letdown is behind them and they'll come out really focused uh in Thunder Bay. They lost one game, Sean, one game in the Olympic Trials and it was the wrong one to lose. <laughs> so they're good enough uh I think they'll be there at the end of the week.
0: Yeah, they should be certainly, and they, they you would think that they'll be in that top three, and I, I think they might have got hurt a little bit on just the timing of the Manitoba Scotties that it happened as early as it did. Normally, you see it a little later in the calendar, but of course, the calendar's all screwed up this year, so that was a pretty tight turnaround from trials into mm-hmm. the Manitoba Scotties, and they didn't play poorly. You know, you have five and three—that's that's good. Like that's that's not bad. That's a, a good result. Just. Three teams happened to go six and two. You kind of got hosed a little bit on the results yeah. elsewhere. The, the scoreboard didn't break for you. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine uh, and, and an event that I don't know if they're the favorite coming in. I would say they're not, uh, but they're certainly in the, the discussion as a team that you would expect to be there on Sunday. For sure. For sure. So let's move on to wild card number two, Chelsea Carey, fifth ranked team in the country at the moment. The question here, Scott, will Chelsea Carey be in FU mode? after the discussion about whether or not the team should have been included in the wild card game, as was about a week of a discussion before the format change was announced, should they be in that game or not? Does Chelsea Carey come in here with the chip on her shoulder? And if she does, what does that mean for the rest of the field? Um, I think so. I think so. I think what's going to
1: limit Chelsea Carey is the play of her teammates, right? We all know Chelsea can do it. She's one, two, Uh, So it's going to come down to how the other three perform at at this level. Uh, Some experience there already, but, you know, Chelsea can be in FU mode. But if she's not getting uh, the proper shots to set her up for success, then she's not going to win many games. Um, Yeah, that's my thought.
0: Yeah. So if you look at the team, Jolene Campbell at third, Stephanie Schmidt at second and Jennifer Armstrong at lead, like Jolene Campbell, the national champion with Amber Holland back in 2011. But if you watch those tapes, it's an Amber Holland championship, not to take anything away Mm -hmm. from the team. Amber Holland was just incredible that whole week back in 2011. So again, you you have that experience, championship experience. And yeah, can you put Chelsea Carey into that position? And what is their communication like? Uh, Last time she won in 2019, so much was made about what uh, Ferguson and Rochelle Brown were able to do in terms of calming things down, simplifying the game, simplifying the language. So how much of that has happened with this team? It'll be fun to watch. This will be our first chance to really see the four of them on a big stage like this. They were... Scheduled to play in the grand slam this month, which of course was canceled. So, this will be the first chance to see them on TV. It'll be fun to uh, to get a look mm-hmm. at new look Chelsea carry team, yeah, for sure. All right, next up, wild card team number three that's Rachel Homan's team, ranked sixth in the country at the moment. Of course, Rachel Homan is on her way to Beijing, as I said. So, Emma Miskew is going to step in and play the skip position, Ali Flaxy. Long time skip of her own. She's played in the trials before. She's made it in in 2017. She's going to come in and play second. And Sarah Wilkes will step up Mm -hmm. to third. The question, Scott, is can Emma Miscue skip?
1: Sean, I think that's the question everybody's going to be asking themselves (laughs) because she's literally never done it. Yeah. Right. She was supposed to do it at the the Grand Slam to end last year with Rachel off having uh, given birth. And Rachel was like, no, 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 we're we're not, we're not <laughs> going to see this yet. You step aside. Yeah. I'm back. So, you know, there's no reason to think she can't, she can make all the shots for sure. It's just going to be a question of, is the routine something that's going to be disrupted enough to where it, it rattles her? I would say no, uh, yeah. most, most likely not. So that that's, I think that's one of the big stories of the whole week, Sean, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's maybe the biggest story coming into the event of of whether Emma Miski can do it. I'm sure she skipped in like a charity something or like a fun spiel. Like I'm sure she's thrown the last no, rock no, before. But yeah, laugh. not, <laughs> but yeah, certainly not at an event uh, of this magnitude. The other question, of course, is Allie Flaxy. How does the skip do stepping down to the second position and you also then have the change of Sarah Wilkes. Of course, Sarah Wilkes has won a national championship at the third position. So that's yeah. not like she's never done it before. So we'll see how that all comes together. in, in those positions, they, they, they're all, they all know each other. They've known each other for like 10, 20 years. So, I mean, it's, it's not a case of, you have to get to know Ali Flaxi at all. Uh, it's just a case of how do you work together, playing together for the first time? I, I think it'll be interesting to see. And, Eventually, of course, a skip has to hit the button at the, the last shot, either of a game or an end of a big end facing a couple. And the fact that you've never done that before, how does that weigh in? Like you've had so many pressure situations that you've been in, but it's a little different when you're the one throwing it, I would think. So it'll be fun to see how Emma Miskew responds and whether or not the mm-hmm. team can come together and, and play well. They certainly didn't play well at the trials. So here's a chance Mm -hmm. for the rest of the team to come back and have a nice little response to that while Rachel's off at the Olympics. Absolutely. Who's next? Next up for this major pool A is Saskatchewan. And Penny Barker ranked 11th in the country at the moment. Penny Barker did represent Saskatchewan back in 2017. Came across a pretty interesting stat, Scott. The team went 1 in 10, which, from an analytic perspective, is not good. But over the course of the week, they scored points in 45 ends. So, in 11 games, you score 45 ends. They gave up points in 52 ends. So, that's hmm. not that big of a disparity. You wouldn't think if the other teams are scoring in seven more ends over the course of the week that you go one in 10, you would think it'd be slightly even, but here is the kicker is that in those 52 ends, they gave up 86 points. So every time the other team scored, it was 1.65 points on average. Every time they scored, every time they scored 1.35 points. So 61 points in 45 ends. So that's it. Like you're giving up big ends and getting a majority of singles back. Can they change that? Can she, Crack deuces, crack threes when she needs to, which is going to be tough in this field. These teams can play defensively uh, and have the ability to uh, the high weight the peels to clear things out. That's going to be the question for Penny Barker. How much has that scoring dynamic can she change from her last time here?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great stat. That they're definitely going to have to do that, and they're going to have to to do it against level of talent that I would say is higher than the last time. So it's going to be tough. They're a good team for mm-hmm. sure. But, uh, th- this pool is so hard. I-, I think it's going to be a little too much for them.
0: It's going to be tough. Uh, no question because the teams ahead of them are great. And a couple of the teams behind them uh, are great too. So it's, it's going to be a tough mm-hmm. slide for Penny Barker, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see what she can do. Here on her second time back. So next up is Krista McCarvel, 12th ranked team in the country. They, of course, lost the semifinal game at the Canadian Olympic Curling Trials back in November. Scott, for the week, Krista McCarville threw 82% on her hits, only 75% on her draws, and 73% on her intern draws. That's not what you expect hmm. from Krista McCarvel. So can she get the draw weight back? We saw her miss a weird, weird ways too. like, she threw, I think she threw a couple through on open draws, just things that, that we haven't seen Kristen McCarvel do in a very long time. Can she find that weight, especially early enough in the week to keep in contention so that they could be there for a spot once we get to Wednesday, Thursday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely didn't put, wasn't as sharp last year uh, as we've seen in the past. And, you know, you you mentioned and we talked about the rust. That's something I'm looking for with this team. And then, being the home team, the hometown team is that uh, a plus or a minus? Right? Uh, plus, you could probably go and sleep in your own house, but I think yeah. they're controlling where the players are. So, yeah, it, it a lot of variability. I think for this team, but when it comes down to to it, we've seen her win big games to to put them in position and I, I think despite the tough competition I think they'll be there at the end I I don't think they'll win this pool but I think they'll be be in contention for sure
0: yeah I, I think the no fans might be an advantage to them they're not going to be the focus in the building the whole time you know it's it's mm-hmm. just going to be like playing another game hopefully for them so. At the same time, it's it's always fun when people are cheering for you and people are rooting you on yeah. in a very uh, enthusiastic manner. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. But uh, And Krista McCarville, she does play a more defensive style than some of the other teams uh, in this pool, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see that mesh of styles. Like Her against Suzanne yeah. Burt will be fun. I hope that's the TV yeah. game whenever that game takes place because Suzanne Burt wants points and rocks and play, and, and McCarville is less enthusiastic about that. So it, mm-hmm. it'll be fun to see how all this plays out with, with those teams, but kind of got hosed on the, the dry. I think a little for, for Kristen McCarvel. Yeah, it's tough. Next up in the pool is Andrew Crawford from New Brunswick. This is going to be a new look side for New Brunswick as Sylvie Quillian, formerly Sylvie Robichaud, multiple time, Women's provincial champion as a skip has joined the team, joined the team in the spring of 2020. They, of course, did not make it to the Scotties last year. It was Melissa Adams who represented New Brunswick. So, this will be the first time we see this pair at a Scotties. It'll be interesting to see that, Scott, because Sylvie Robichaud is a great player. She's skipped, as I said, in Scotties before at the mixed nationals. I've seen her play now, stepping down to third. I think that might be a better fit for her just based on having talked to her a couple of times and and just sort of seeing her results at these events and Andrea Crawford's been there, done it all. I I think this team could be a wrench in some of these other teams' plans. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Sylvia Robichaud is a great curler in her own right and fitting into this team. I think, I think it's a good fit to, to be honest. Uh, They've got the strong front end. Uh, Jill Babin is still on their team, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a pretty strong front end, not not the powerful sweeping that you see from like a team Holman or a team flurry on the front end, but uh, able to make their shots and manage stones really well. So, yeah, I think this team could be a thorn in the side of some of these other teams and and all it takes, you know, is to get one or two wins under your belt early and then yeah. start feeling it and roll. and uh, yeah. they've definitely got. The skills to be able to do it it's
0: about putting it all together when the time comes yeah which will which will be tough as, as we've said but it's yeah like again this is one of the lower ranked teams in the pool and uh they're good they're they're certainly good so it's yeah, yeah just it, it I, I hate to just keep reading repeating myself but there it's a such a good pool uh, and that brings us to suzanne burt 27th ranked team in the country Take the over with Suzanne Burt. In her games last year, she went 4-4 and in pool play. Did not advance into the championship pool. Lowest number of points was 13 in a game for Suzanne Burt. That was the lowest. So In games they they, won, right? No, in all the games. The lowest number of total points scored in a game. Total points scored. They hit double digits themselves three times. But yeah, the total number of points in a game, lowest, was 13. So... There's going to be rocks in play, no blanks. So anyone who hates blanks, advocate for more Suzanne Burke games on your TV uh, because she'll always be in it because she can come back, but also means the other team's always in it too because she's liable to leave stuff in play and play aggressively. It makes for good TV, but it also leads to sometimes you're like, ooh, ooh, maybe maybe hit that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, this team, we got to see them a lot last year on TV as you'll yeah, recall. Uh, and we'll see what happens this year with the TV coverage. Uh, the, the next teams we're going to talk about, I, I fear we'll not get any coverage again. Uh, if Suzanne Burt can come out, get a couple early wins, then we should be able to see her back on our TVs. Uh, with the pool play the way it is, right? The whole pool is playing at the same time. And there's so many heavy hitters further up the rankings That I'm sure TSN will want to put on TV before they put on, you know, Suzanne Burt versus Andrea Crawford. So, a little unfortunate that way that uh, we might get less Suzanne Burt on our TV, but uh, here's hoping they go on a run and we get to see her all week long.
0: Absolutely. All right. uh, Two more teams in the pool. These folks might have a tough time getting some wins over the course of the week, but. You never know. They're there. They have a better chance of winning than I do because I'm not playing in the games. So let's start with Newfoundland and Labrador. Sarah Hill, 78th ranked team in the country, played last year at this event, went 2-6. and six. Interesting note, Scott. When they had the hammer last year, they did not blank an end. Hmm. I like that. Interesting strategy. So, again, rocks in play. Things are going to be interesting. Uh, so Sarah Hill and her team – Again, younger-ish team building up. Uh, you know, women's mm-hmm. curling in Newfoundland and Labrador. We haven't seen a lot of success in a while there. So maybe since Heather Strong probably was the last one who who really had a, a strong team <laughs> and uh, uh, was making you nice. know threatening for playoffs. So hopefully that they can they can pull it out, but it's going to be tough in this pool for them. Oh yeah, I think uh, any win this week would be a pretty big victory. Yes. And rounding out the team or the field, excuse me, in pool. A is Bridget McPhail from Nunavut. Bridget McPhail has played in the junior championship before in 2007. She was the lead for Mary Jane. McCollum in new Brunswick that, uh, so she is from new Brunswick. The other players are from territory. Two of them are in the East coast for school the lead, Allison Taylor, is still in Iqaluit. She just met some of the other members of the team in person. They're they're in Halifax training right now for the Scotties, so they just met in person for the first time. But at least you have three people who are from the territory, and uh, Bridget McPhail is stepping in to skip. The, the question, though, Allison Taylor has not been able to play at all. The Iqaluit curling club has been closed for both COVID and uh, some water issues there in Iqaluit, so... She's the lead, so it's not as detrimental as if the skip hadn't thrown in a couple months, but that could be problematic for a team. And I I think the goal for them will probably be to play a full 10 ends, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, and they could aim to get one win. I think uh, think that would be a pretty successful week.
0: Yeah. So that's pool A. Let's quickly move on to pool number B. Scott, uh, we'll go through again. In order of the rankings, we'll start with Laura Walker third ranked team in the country question of course can she improve on her bronze medal from last year uh, kind of an interesting stat she went three and five at the trials but was plus on the point differential scored 61 gave up 57 but the other team scored in more ends than she scored in so but she's giving up points it was giving up low low scores and getting multiples of course the mm-hmm. the really tough finished to the trials for her against Jackie Harrison, draw 17, scored five in the third end, gave four right back, uh, really mm. tough, losing in the extra end. So can she improve? They are an ascendant team. I think that they should do very well in this pool.
1: Yeah, this pool sets up really nicely for them. That's that's a cool stat about, you know, they're, they're scoring multiples and giving up singles or maybe twos, but yeah. uh, breaking it open, when they score so you know if we see that trend continue pythagorean win loss is a lot higher than what she posted there at the trials so i'm i'm excited to watch them mix it up this week
0: me too uh yeah and it's sort of the opposite of what we saw with penny barker in 2017 where your scoring singles giving up multiples so uh that's a a, a sort of a good obviously you want to win the games and it's better to win the games but that's sort of a good outline stat that shows that Maybe the record doesn't reflect sort of the the game play or the game style at least. Next up is the two-time defending champion, fourth-ranked team in the country, Carrie Anderson. Scott, Carrie Anderson will be trying to become only the fourth woman to ever win three consecutive national championships. Can you name the three of them? Colleen Jones. Correct. 01, 02, 03, and 04. Uh, I want to say that woman from Saskatchewan. Vera Pezer, correct. 71, 72, and 73. Yeah, I, I knew her name was short. Vera. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: uh, the other one with three? In
0: a row. Jennifer Jones? Jennifer Jones, Jones, 08, 09, and 2010. So Carrie Anderson will be trying to join them as the only women to win three consecutive national championships. Uh, they're really good. That's my analysis. That's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this team's really good, Sean. They, uh, I think they, I think they ha- have a good attitude coming out. You know, disappointing to not advance to the Olympics. I know that's what they were put together for, but uh, they, they've got some unresolved business at the Worlds, and I think would w- really love a chance to get back there uh, for a little redemption.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on to Manitoba. Mackenzie Zacharias, they're the seventh-ranked team in the country. Three and five last year, missed out on the championship pool, came through one Manitoba first time for a provincial championship for Mackenzie Zacharias, beat Christy Watling in the final. Last year, Scott, Carly Burgess, we, we've talked about how good she is, a key for this team. Last year, she was 76% on her draws, 77% on her hits. Uh, she was the sixth-ranked third which isn't bad, certainly, but you would like to see her do a little better if you can bump those percentages up a couple points because Mackenzie Zacharias herself, the 11th-ranked skip in the field last year. So if, if Carly can bump those a little bit, you might expect a bigger increase in Mackenzie Zacharias's numbers and certainly in comparison to her opponents by just putting her in that much better position. So I think Carly Burgess is going to be key for this team as well as Mackenzie Zacharias getting her feet wet earlier and getting more comfortable because she was great later in the week last year, it was just that yeah. early stumble that, that really hurt her. So I think that'll be a, a key trend to look for.
1: Yeah. And this team, uh, you know, benefiting from that three wild card format last year, getting the opportunity to get some experience, come back, win Manitoba this year. I don't think anybody uh, thought that was going to happen mostly because everyone thought Tracy Fleury was going to win Manitoba, but, uh, like a pretty great story for them to come through and break through so early in their careers in Manitoba. You know, we, we talked about Chelsea Carey having to wait so long to get that Buffalo on her back and uh, the the pride that she took when she finally did. So for a team so young to come and break through this quickly, a lot of skill, a lot of talent there. They're bringing Lori Olson Johns as their fifth. So maybe that, that will help with some of the adapting to, you know, the rhythms of the week. Uh, it, it's again, not like a regular week. You're not going to the up close and personals. You're not doing autograph sessions, but it, it'll be good to have
0: that veteran voice in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. She's that uh, Laurie Olson. John's great. So let's uh, move on to the next team. I uh, see who might be able to squeeze their way into that top three Get in between Alberta, Canada, Manitoba from that modified page. The first one up is Holly Duncan, Team Ontario. Got in, of course, with the somewhat controversial decision by Curl Ontario that if Rachel Holman hadn't gone to the Olympics, it would have been Team Holman. But it's not. It's Holly Duncan. And she, of course, was there in 2018, made it to the championship pool through a tiebreaker. This year, they are 25-11. and They're crushing people, scoring 9.2 points a game, only giving up 6.4 with a 46% hammer efficiency, went 3-3 three three at the pre-trials, even played the National going 2-3 and three there. Uh, so they're having a great season. Scott, I think the question here will be, can they keep that momentum going throughout this event? Yeah,
1: exactly. It'll be all about the momentum. As you said, they've had a great year so far. Uh, they're converting with the hammer, you know they're protecting against the steals. They're winning events. Uh, not much more you can you can do than what they did this year. So uh, mm-hmm. I think they're a, a real team to watch in this pool with uh, the team Zacharias. The relative lack of experience. I know Holly Duncan has also got not that much experience, but been there before. I think one Scotty's right. Yeah, I believe and
0: 2018 was the one.
1: Yeah. And uh, a, a, pretty, a pretty good experienced team behind her too with Megan Balston and, and uh, Rochelle and Tess at the front end there. So this should be, uh, I, I think this is the team to watch in this pool. See if they can
0: keep okay. their momentum going, as you mentioned. All right. Uh, and another team that's going to try and keep some momentum going off a pretty good season is Kerry Galusha, Northwest Territories, 13th ranked team in the country, 4-4 four four last year, just missing the championship pool in that last draw against Beth Peterson and uh, couldn't quite pull off that game. Did beat Rachel Holman in that event. Question is, is this the best chance for Kerry Galusha to make a playoffs at of Scotties? I might argue that yes. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah, as much as pool A was a disadvantage for a team like McCarville or, or Team Burt, the pool B is an advantage for Carrie Galusha, uh, 19 times there, as you mentioned. It, it, this is the year, if it's going to break, it's going to be this year. I don't see her coming back past this year. It's the end of the quad. Uh, she's hinted at retiring already. So, yeah, I, I, if it's going to happen, it's got to be now. And it is probably the best opportunity that she's had in a long, long time to, to get into that. Sort of modified playoff as we talk, talked about. Yeah, I, I,
0: yeah. I think the key is going to be for her not to give up games against the teams below her, right? Because she can, as we, we see it pretty much every year, she'll she'll get a game against one of the top teams. She's she's good enough yeah. to do that. Does it all the time. You just can't slip against the teams that are below you. Uh, win the games that you're quote unquote supposed to win. So, see what happens there for Carrie Galusha. Always rooting for Carrie Galusha on this show to uh, to make a playoff. That'd be a lot of fun to see her in that modified Absolutely. page. All right. Next up yep. is Nova Scotia. This is skipped by Christina Black, who was part of that 2018 bronze medal performance, where Marion Arsenault skipped a younger team to that bronze medal. I was, I looked through the teams, guys. I was like, oh, this is a young team, and then they're kind of my age, and I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> they're not a young team. And then I, then I had this existential crisis of, oh my God, do I think I'm old? And then it really wound me up to the point where I had to just step away from everything for a minute. But uh, so uh, Christina Black stepping into the skips role. It'll be fun to see what they can do here, uh, whether or not they can build on what they learned from Marianne Arsenal. Sort of the note I have for them is how much did they pick up? What tips did they get? How much did that experience rub off on them? And now that they're on their own without Marianne Arsenal, what will the residual result be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the The difference between this team and that team is that that team had Mary Arsenal throwing rocks for it, right? Like, yeah, she's one of the greats. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how they manage to do without that. I think it's going to be tough. So, yeah, I, I I'm not uh, optimistic. I'm not really down, but uh, I I don't know if I see it this year.
0: But if they, you know, if they get an early win or two, it's possible.
1: Yeah, anything's possible, like Kevin Garnett says.
0: (laughs) All right, next up on this pool, it's team British Columbia. Skipped by the aforementioned Mary Ann Arsenault. Scott, on this team, you have Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, and Renee Simons. Combined, this team has 11 Scotties championships and five world championships, and they are the 14th ranked team in the pool. Or in the in the field, excuse me. So you know that's kind of fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's insane, right?
1: Like, yeah uh, this this team will be there at the end of the week. I'm calling my shot right now. They will be one of the three teams to advance from this pool.
0: Okay. Just too much experience, I think.
1: T- too much experience. They're just too good, I think, to uh, to to not be there. And looking at the competition in this pool, I think if they were in the other pool. It, would, might be a different story.
0: They're, God, they're really good. The question though is, you know, over the course of the week, they're the older team overall is sweeping. Can you, you know, maintain that? And, I mean, we haven't seen Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, Renee Simons in a while. Right? You know, they did win in what is 05, 06 or 06, 07, Like yeah, it's been a while since they've won. So I think it's fair to wonder. But yeah, they're they're really really good, and it's yeah. remarkable to me that they're ranked this low. But again, that's the points; that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Next up is Team Quebec, the sensation of last year's event, Laurie Saint Georges and her team. They are back. Uh, there was not a provincial in Quebec; they were selected by the provincial association. What's interesting here, Scott, is they were so good last year in the round Robin in the pool play and then went Owen four in the championship pool. And, and so I pulled up some of the numbers that if, if you look at the plus minus that Lori herself, she was minus three in the championship pool. Haley was minus four in the championship pool. Emily was minus four in the championship pool. And Cynthia was minus one in the championship pool. So combined minus 12 in four games of the championship pool. So as the competition got better their results relative to their opponents got worse. So the question is, can they keep up with the top teams in the fields? Can they, you know, can the four of them collectively play with a team flurry, team Walker, team Anderson? That's going to be the question. They can obviously compete with the other teams, but once it gets to the, the, that brass tacks, those top teams, how are they going to respond?
1: Yeah. Um, they've got a lot more experience, you know, uh, in this past year. And I, I, what I'm hoping is that we get to see them on TV a lot more than we did last year. Yeah. Just because they're, they're fun on TV. Uh, they look For like sure. they're having fun out there. The curling rock stars.
0: Yeah,
1: That's what I, I want to watch this week.
0: Yeah, and I think they'll get some games after last year and the social media sensation of it all. and uh, mm-hmm. So it should be, should be fun to see them out there and, uh, yeah, getting some good coverage. And wrapping up, Pool B, it's Haley Bernie. From the Yukon. she did skip the Yukon in 2020, went 0-7. Scott, in that event, they did not complete a 10th end in those seven games. So I think the goal for them this week is, if it's not to win a game, uh, to keep things close, play tight games, get to a 10th end. I don't say that is any shade to Haley Bernie or her team. I always remember what... Uh, David St. Louis told us when we played against him before he went to the Briar as Nunavut that their goal was to get to a 10th end and, uh, mm. and that's okay. Just these teams are really good and uh, can she do it and find more success than they found in 2020? And I hope they can. Absolutely. So there you have it. Uh, all 18 teams that are heading to Thunder Bay this week. Scott, give it to me now. Let's go with pick your three teams in each pool and then just give me the winner.
1: Oh boy, I, I didn't prepare for this, Sean. I didn't prepare for this. So okay. I'll start in pool B. Uh I'll take BC. I'll take Carrie Anderson, Team Canada. Yep. And Laura Walker. I, I don't okay. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Holly Duncan would be my uh fourth in that pool. And then in pool A, give me Tracy Flurry, give me Krista McCarville, and a Holmanless Holman.
0: Okay, so you're saying Chelsea Carey misses out, and I'm going to disagree with you on that. I'm going to go with uh, same Krista McCarville and Tracy Flurry, but I'm going to throw in Chelsea Carey in that mix. And then over in pool number B, I'm going to go with Carrie Anderson. I will go with. Kerry Galusha to get that third spot, have a nice run this week. And then also I will take, yeah, I'll take Laura Walker as well.
1: It's kind of hard not to, right? Eh?
0: It is hard to win. And I'm going to go with, maybe this is a bold choice. I don't know. Kristen McCarvel wins. I've said it on the show before, so I'm going to stick with it. Who do you got to win?
1: Yeah. And uh, that that's going to be my heart pick, Sean, but uh, my head pick, give me the three-peat.
0: Back to back to back for Carrie Anderson is Scott's pick. So there you go. That's it.
1: That's it. Scotty is previewed. Boom.
0: <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to the preview. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast, your likes rating comments, all that good stuff helps us out, helps grow the show, helps other people find us on the interwebs. And then do follow along as we will tweet about all the fun and frivolity from Thunder Bay at Game of Stones pod. On both twitter and then we'll do some instagramming as well or over on facebook game of stones podcast you can follow along with everything going on there and head on over game of all of our past episodes plus a link to the merch with proceeds to food banks canada and the sandra Schmirler foundation so that'll do it for this episode plan is to be back a little later in the week with some other content as a lot is going on in the world of curling but Scott, you need to take a break. You need to calm yourself down. You need to escape the stress of the last 24 hours. How are you going to do Mm -hmm. that? Uh, I might play a little bit on the computer.
1: I got uh, Saturday Night Live to watch from this weekend. Heard it was pretty funny. Good. So I got that. Uh, You know what? I might just order pizza tonight
0: because pizza makes me happy. Well, enjoy it and uh, hopefully by the time the curling gets on TV later in the week, you're back in your good mental state oh i i think i'll be there well uh so there you go everybody uh that's our Scotty's preview again thank you for listening enjoy the games we'll be back later in the week but until then get those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert two-thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Ooh. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, good uh, good evening. How
1: do you do? Oh, I, you know, I uh, indulged a bit last night uh, in <laughs> in the drinks, so I'm not feeling...
0: Uh-huh. So hot. And you're not feeling top, uh, top draw here? You know, it's not, not, not doing not it Not feeling you. top drawer, top draw, <laughs> but, uh, there you go. Uh, yes, last night, uh, Scott was very fired up for the football match that, uh, did not go the way that, uh, Scott or myself, I was hoping for the Bills to win as well, but it was exciting, Scott. And isn't that all you really want?
1: No, I want it to be exciting and for the team I like to actually win something. Sean, you remember how fun it was in 2019 when the Raptors won? Yeah, I do. I want to experience that again.
0: Fair. It's totally fair. And maybe soon, Scott. They're good. They're a good team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, you know what else is going to be a lot of fun? The 2022 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts is kicking off on Friday night in Thunder Bay, which, of course, was scheduled to be the host of the 2021 Scotties Tournament of Hearts, which was, of course, postponed and then eventually put into the curling bubble in Calgary last year. So Thunder Bay gets it back. Unfortunately, nobody's going to be able to see it in Thunder Bay unless they're watching on TV as the provincial restrictions have limited access to the building nobody other than players or officials and the broadcasters will have access to the building at least until january 31st there is a chance that with the ontario rules changing at the end of the month that by championship weekend there could be up to 500 fans in the stands for those playoff games but it's certainly not going to be a full house and not the roaring crowd that we've seen in thunder bay scott northern ontario for as much as some folks don't like that they have their own teams, when there's events in that association, the folks come out and they, uh, they're they good fans. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, like they waited so long for
1: this event. They're supposed to have it last year.
0: And then it gets
1: postponed and now they can't have it sort of in the full way that they were hoping. It's really too bad for the organizing committee and all the folks there in Thunder Bay. Cause you know that they were going to put on a good show and uh, everybody was going to have a good time. So uh, it's too bad. We will get curling on our TVs though. Uh, So uh, silver lining there, but uh, hopefully we can get a a full fledged event back in Thunder Bay uh, as soon as
0: possible. Hopefully. Yeah. And it's rare that you get a hometown team, right? There's always obviously a home province team, but when you have a hometown team, which would have been the case, or it still is the case for Krista McCarville. It's it's a lot of fun when those teams are are there and, and the fans really get into it, even more so than was just the home province team. So it's yeah. uh, that's that's unfortunate for for them. I know they were really looking forward to it and, and hopefully they can make the playoffs. And even if it's 500 fans, probably 500 people who like they've all taught or like our neighbors, <laughs> like they'll, they'll like know 495 of them. And uh, so it's, it should yeah. be fun if they can if they can pull that off. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So a couple changes this year from what we saw last year. Well, one thing is kept the same, but was a change from what was scheduled. 18 teams are back in the field for the Scotties this year. Three wild card teams. They've returned to this 18-team format. But what will be different this year is there is no championship pool. Of course, championship pool or the pool place, the championship pool started in 2018 at the Scotties in, I believe Penticton, uh, that year, and since then it's been sixteen teams to eight into the championship pool, and then to a page playoff. Last year was eighteen to eight to a three team playoff. This year, though, because the playoffs, I this is this is my take. The playoffs were slightly unsatisfying. It's not great for TV either to have eight days of round robin into playoffs, even though you're changing from pool play into the championship pool. So what curling Canada has decided to do, and I'm I'm thinking with the full support of (laughs) the sports network is go to the model that we've seen at the mixed doubles national championship, where we're going to have pool play into a, what they're calling a modified page playoff. So the way it'll work is that if you finish first in your pool, you are guaranteed a spot in the page playoff. The second and third place teams will cross over and play each other in a game. The losers of those games are out. They are eliminated. The winners will play the first place finishers and the two winners of those games will play in the one-two game. The losers go to the three-four game. Scott, does that explanation one make sense? And I, I believe I was accurate in what I was saying. And two, do you like this change? It makes sense. Yes,
1: Sean. And I think uh, having seen it at uh, one of the most recent events to to qualify for the trials,
0: uh, right? It was at the pre-trials we saw this format? I believe it was just the mixed doubles. But it could have been the pre-trials too. I can't I can't remember. Uh, it might have been the mixed doubles. You,
1: yeah. So it makes sense. Do I like it? I think... What, with this change, someone can win the Scotties without having played some of the the best teams, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not as fair a system, I'll say, because you're not being forced to play everybody. Even when they have the championship pool, okay, you're not playing everybody, but you're playing all the teams that are at the top. So... In that in that sense, you know, you still have to go through the gauntlet. Maybe okay, you don't play some of the the weaker provinces, but big deal. Probably you would have won that anyway. So sure. that's that. That's where I am with that. I I don't think it's inherently as fair, but given the the turnaround with which they added these extra wildcard teams, uh, I don't think they could have done anything else to start on Friday and then. Uh, with a full day like we saw last year
0: yeah the solution would be starting earlier on friday you'd have to start friday afternoon if you want to get pool play into a normal page Mm -hmm. that's not ideal certainly you'd have to so that would be starting friday afternoon filling in the saturday morning slot which currently doesn't have a game scheduled playing straight through so that i mean it's possible but you just from a kickoff standpoint that's not really what you want to do and you, you certainly, I don't think, want to go to three again in the playoffs, when you ha- especially if yeah. you're going to have a tie break. It was kind of unfair last year. So I, I don't know. It, it's not ideal. It's a one-year fix. But it, it is something to consider that there is this push now. A lot of people want to stick with this 18-team format. It does lead to questions about what you do for playoffs and how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you, you cannot, I don't think, have an 11-day event. I think that is just it's too much. Even at right right now it's at 10 days. Uh, or it's part mm-hmm. of 10 days, which I think is pushing it a little bit. Right, you're pushing your audience, you're pushing your participants. And what's the breaking point? I don't know, but it is something to think about that if if curling Canada and the fans want 18 teams, there's going to have to be a, a give somewhere. And and what yeah. that'll be, who knows.
1: Yeah, and I think what's better about this is that uh, there is a little more margin for error from the teams. You you do have to finish top three in your pool, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit easier to say that than to finish top three in the whole field just to make the playoffs. Right. So there is more of a chance for a team, you know, that still does well finishes third in their pool. There's still like a, a path for them. Whereas when you go over to the championship pool, the the teams that are in you know that seven and eight spot basically have no chance.
0: And with the exception of 2018, that's what we've seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's that that's a little more uh makes makes that pill a little easier to swallow, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in terms of not playing everybody, it it's true, yes, you you won't have to necessarily play everybody, but you could also make the argument that in the old system, you didn't necessarily have to beat everybody either. So you could no. go through, lose to a team in the round robin, that team loses in the playoffs to somebody else, and then you go on to win the championship. So is that that much different? I guess it maybe is, but who, who knows? I mean, th- this is the system. This is what it's going to be. It's never going to be t- determining purely the best team, which would just be line everybody up, play everybody. Most wins at the end of the week wins and you don't have a right? That's how you would actually determine the best team. But this is what we have. So once again, we have two pools, pool A, pool B. Scott, before we get into the pools, I I was thinking this afternoon, do we think that there might be an advantage to the non-trials teams? So the, the teams that did not play in the Olympic curling trials in November because they have been able to set their schedules a little more to the Scotties, gear their seasons towards this particular event, whereas the trials teams are coming off not only trying to get up and peak for the trials in late November, but also the disappointment then of not winning the trials. And we saw in 2018, it was a weird event. Jennifer Jones ended up winning, but it was a weird event throughout. Do we think that that might happen here?
1: Maybe, maybe. I think... That given that the trials were like a little bit earlier this year, I guess just a week, but that might mean okay, we've had a little more time compared to four years ago uh, to kind of put that behind us. I think the what the real advantage that we're going to see is from the teams that had an opportunity to play in playdowns, uh, get those games under their belt because. Uh, you know, for a team like Krista McCarville that doesn't play r- regularly very much on tour, then coming into this event without even having to go through their provincial, will we see some rust in the first couple of games? And with you not playing everybody, every game is that much more important this time. So yep. yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that affects them. I, I That's what I would put it at. Like the the t- teams that are good are still going to be good. And True. I don't think Carrie Anderson losing at the trials is going to carry over into this kind of an event. They'll they'll be one of the favorites.
0: So all right, all right, fair enough. Uh, you, it's interesting you mentioned the Chris McCarville situation. They probably haven't been able to be on ice at all in a while, uh, given the yeah. provincial restrictions here. Same with Holly Duncan and her team. So forget just the lack of games, just the lack of potential opportunities for practice, uh, could have been a, mm-hmm. could have been a struggle for for those two teams. But let's get into it, Scott. As always at these events, two pools: pool A and pool number two. One of these pools is much much better than the other one. Uh, I would I would argue now they're they're done with a formula. Each each team is ranked based off of their position on the. CRTS points or CTRS points, and it's divvied up. So it's even based on the points in the rankings. I would argue that this is not even remotely even based on who these teams are. And that especially over the past two years where opportunities to get points have been so fragmented that the rankings are somewhat meaningless at this point. But this is the system. It's probably the most fair way to determine the two pools. But Scott, are you with me? That one of the pools is uh, decidedly stronger than the other yes yes
1: pool a is much much stronger than pool b
0: yes uh, i agree so pool a is uh, the three wildcard teams of tracy flurry and uh chelsea Carey and emma miscue skipping for the absent rachel holman who is of course on her way to beijing the rest of the field is saskatchewan and penny barker pei with suzanne Burt, Northern Ontario with Kristen McCarville, New Brunswick and Andrea Crawford, Sarah Hill from Newfoundland and Labrador and Bridget McPhail from Nunavut. And uh, yeah, that's a pretty loaded pool.
1: Yeah, that's they've never had three wildcard teams in the same pool because they've only had it once. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. But that's, that's kind of murderer's row when you think about it. And and so like Tracy Fleury, number one on the CTRS rankings. Yeah. And then number two is Jennifer Jones, who's not there. So then you go to three and four and we'll talk about who Walker and Anderson. And then you get right back to Chelsea Carey and Rachel Holman, And a lot of those points that they earned this fall, Chelsea Carey's rink played a lot, uh, gearing up for the Saskatchewan Scotties. But, uh, Rachel Holman's team didn't. They earned most of those points trying to get into the Ontario provincial and and so, yeah, it's it's weird to use these points to to determine this, but there there is no other way to do it,
0: no, and I think the the, the issue here isn't so much the top three because the top three in, in both pools are really good. The top three four are are very good in both pools. Yeah. It's when you get to the bottom where it kind of breaks unfortunately for krista mccarville for instance who's ranked lower they don't play a lot they're number 12 but they don't play a lot so they get put into this pool uh which is very good and then just for kicks let's throw suzanne burton there too uh who's a great player who, who who certainly is more than capable of making a playoffs or in a normal year making the championship pool so you're looking at five i think really strong teams penny barker not a lot of experience here and when she's been here before hasn't had a lot of success, but if you get out of Saskatchewan, you're good. They don't win a lot yeah. nationally at, at this level, but if you get out of that province, you're good and you can win games. So it's it's going to be really tough for people to come through. And then Andrea Crawford's another one, like a lot of experience, good player a good team, all of whom have been here a bunch. They they know how to win games at this level. They're, they're not going to go undefeated in any field at Escotties, but they're good and they can win and they'll give you a good game. So you're looking at out of the nine teams, seven are really good and experienced. And it, it's going to be a, a real tough slog to get out of this. And this might be why the new playoff structure might be fairer for these teams, because if they're just going to beat up on each other, and you get more yeah. of a separation in the other pool, potentially the, the four that would come out of this pool could be coming out with maybe the, the best team has two losses, uh, probably not right. three, but, but two is not, would not be crazy that the first place team here has two. And so you might be starting at a deficit relative to their pool, but this is going to be a, mm-hmm. every time pool A is on, it's going to be a good game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's going to be no shortage of options for TSN
0: in pool A for sure. Yes. So I got a couple things for each team here, Scott, or really one thing for each team I just want to talk about. So let's go through based on the ranking, and we'll start with Tracy Fleury, top-ranked team in the country. And the question here is, can there be a letdown for Tracy Fleury? The way they lost that final at the trials, very difficult. You thought that they had lost it, then you thought they had won it, and then they lost it again. Uh, so just the the mm-hmm. roller coaster of that they missed the playoffs at the Manitoba Scotties went five and three in this the second pool, missed the playoffs everyone else was the three teams at six and two to get in. Is there a chance that they're not up for this event in the way that we saw them be great at the trials?
1: yeah, Sean, as someone who has recently undergone some emotional roller coaster um <laughs> Thinking, thinking, a team had won and then lost and then lost and anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely possible for them to experience that letdown. We saw, like you mentioned, they missed the playoffs in the Manitoba Scotties. Was uh, that was incredible? Like no yeah. one could have foreseen that, especially with Jennifer Jones not in the field. Uh, so I think that was their letdown. So now maybe that they've gotten that letdown out of their system. They're still getting to come back to this event as the wild card number number 1 seeded team. So I'm going to say that their letdown is behind them and they'll come out really focused uh in Thunder Bay. They lost one game, Sean, one game in the Olympic Trials and it was the wrong one to lose. <laughs> so if they're good enough uh I think they'll be there at the end of the week.
0: Yeah, they should be certainly, and they, they you would think that they'll be in that top three, and I, I think they might have got hurt a little bit on just the timing of the Manitoba Scotties that it happened as early as it did. Normally, you see it a little later in the calendar, but of course, the calendar's all screwed up this year, so that was a pretty tight turnaround from trials into mm-hmm. the Manitoba Scotties, and they didn't play poorly. You know, you're five and three—that's that's good. Like that's that's not bad. That's a, a good result. Just. Three teams happen to go six and two. You kind of got hosed a little bit on the results yeah. elsewhere. The the scoreboard didn't break for you. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine uh, and, and an event that I don't know if they're the favorite coming in. I would say they're not, uh, but they're certainly in the, the discussion as a team that you would expect to be there on Sunday. For sure, for sure. So let's move on to wild card number two, Chelsea Carey, fifth-ranked team in the country at the moment. The question here, Scott, will Chelsea Carey be in FU mode after the discussion about whether or not the team should have been included in the wild card game as was about a week of a discussion before the format change was announced, should they be in that game or not, does Chelsea Carey come in here with the chip on her shoulder? And if she does, what does that mean for the rest of the field? Um I think so. I think so. I think what's going to limit Chelsea Carey
1: is the play of her teammates, right? We all know Chelsea can do it. she's one, two. Uh, So it's going to come down to how the other three perform at at this level. Uh, Some experience there already, but, you know, Chelsea can be in FU mode. But if she's not getting uh, the proper shots to set her up for success, then she's not going to win many games. Um, Yeah, that's my thought.
0: Yeah. So if you look at the team, Jolene Campbell at third, Stephanie Schmidt at second and Jennifer Armstrong at lead, like Jolene Campbell, the national champion with Amber Holland back in 2011. But if you watch those tapes, it's an Amber Holland championship, not to take anything away Mm -hmm. from the team. Amber Holland was just incredible that whole week back in 2011. So again, you you have that experience, championship experience. And yeah, can you put Chelsea Carey into that position? And what is their communication like? Uh, Last time she won in 2019, so much was made about what uh, Ferguson and Rochelle Brown were able to do in terms of calming things down, simplifying the game, simplifying the language. So how much of that has happened with this team? It'll be fun to watch. This will be our first chance to really see the four of them on a big stage like this. They were scheduled to play in the grand slam this month, which of course was canceled. So this will be the first chance to see them on TV. It'll be fun to, uh, to get a look Mm -hmm. at new look, Chelsea Carey team. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next up wildcard team. Number three, that's Rachel Homan's team ranked sixth in the country at the moment. Of course, Rachel Homan is on her way to Beijing, as I said. So Emma Miskew is going to step in and play the skip position. Allie Flaxey. Longtime skip of her own. She's played in the trials before. She's made it in in 2017. She's going to come in and play second. And Sarah Wilkes will step up Mm -hmm. to third. The question, Scott, is can Emma Miscue skip?
1: Sean, I think that's the question everybody's going to be asking themselves (laughs) because she's literally never done it. Yeah. Right? She was supposed to do it at the the Grand Slam to end last year with Rachel off having uh, given birth and Rachel was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to see this yet. You step yeah. aside. I'm back. So, you know, there's no reason to think she can't, she can make all the shots for sure. It's just going to be a question of, is the routine something that's going to be disrupted enough to where it, it rattles her? I would say no, uh, yeah. most, most likely not. So that that's, I think that's one of the big stories of the whole week, Sean, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's maybe the biggest story coming into the event of of whether Emma Miski can do it. I'm sure she skipped in like a charity something or like a fun spiel. Like I'm sure she's thrown the last no, rock no, before. But yeah, laugh. not, <laughs> but yeah, certainly not at an event uh, of this magnitude. The other question, of course, is Allie Flaxi. How does a skip do stepping down to the second position and you also then have the change of Sarah Wilkes. Of course, Sarah Wilkes has won a national championship at the third position. So that's yeah. not like she's never done it before. So we'll see how that all comes together. in, in those positions, they, they they're they all, they all know each other. They've known each other for like 10, 20 years. So, I mean, it's, it's not a case of, you have to get to know Allie Flaxi at all. Uh, it's just a case of how do you work together, playing together for the first time? I, I think it'll be interesting to see. And, Eventually, of course, a skip has to hit the button at the, the last shot, either of a game or an end of a big end facing a couple. And the fact that you've never done that before, how does that weigh in? Like you've had so many pressure situations that you've been in, but it's a little different when you're the one throwing it, I would think. So it'll be fun to see how Emma Miskew responds and whether or not the mm-hmm. team can come together and, and play well. They certainly didn't play well at the trials. So here's a chance mm-hmm. for the rest of the team to come back and have a nice little response to that while Rachel's off at the Olympics. Absolutely. Who's next? Next up for this major Pool A is Saskatchewan. And Penny Barker ranked 11th in the country at the moment. Penny Barker did represent Saskatchewan back in 2017. Came across a pretty interesting stat, Scott. The team went 1-10, in 10, which from an analytic perspective is not good. But over the course of the week, they scored points in 45 ends. So in 11 games, you scored 45 ends. They gave up points in 52 ends. So hmm. that's not that big of a disparity. You wouldn't think if the other teams are scoring in seven more ends over the course of the week that you'd go one in 10. You would think it'd be slightly even. But here is the kicker is that. In those 52 ends, they gave up 86 points. So every time the other team scored, it was 1.65 points on average. Every time they yeah, scored, every time they scored 1.35 points. So 61 points and 45 ends. So that's it. Like you're giving up big ends and getting a majority of singles back. Can they change that? Can she crack deuces, crack threes when she needs to, which is going to be tough in this field. These teams can play defensively uh and have the ability to uh, the high weight the peels to clear things out that's going to be the question for penny barker how much has that scoring dynamic can she change from her last time here
1: yeah yeah that's a, a great stat that they're definitely going to have to do that and they're going to have to to do it against a level of talent that i would say is higher than the last time so it's going to be tough they're a good team for mm-hmm. sure but uh this pool is so hard. I, I think
0: it's going to be a little too much for them. It's going to be tough. Uh, no question, because the teams ahead of them are great. And a couple of the teams behind them uh, are great, too. So it's it's going to be a tough mm-hmm. sled for Penny Barker. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what she can do here on her second time back. So next up is Krista McCarvel, 12th ranked team. In the country. They, of course, lost the semifinal game at the Canadian Olympic curling trials back in November. Scott, for the week, Krista McCarvel threw 82% on her hits, only 75% on her draws, and 73% on her intern draws. That's not what you expect hmm. from Krista McCarvel. So, can she get the draw weight back? We saw her miss a weird, weird ways too. Like she threw, I think she threw yeah. a couple through. On open draws, just things that that we haven't seen Kristen McCarroll do in a very long time. Can she find that weight, especially early enough in the week, to keep in contention, so that they could be there for a spot once we get to Wednesday, Thursday?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely didn't put, wasn't as sharp last year uh, as we've seen in the past. And you know, you you mentioned and we talked about the rust. That's something I'm looking for with this team. And then being the home team the hometown team, is that uh, a plus or a minus, right? Uh, plus, you could probably go and sleep in your own house, but I think yeah. they're controlling where the players are. So, yeah, it, it a lot of variability, I think, for this team. But when it comes down to to it, we've seen her win big games to, to put them in position. And I, I think, despite the tough competition, I think they'll be there. At the end, I I don't think they'll win this pool, but I think they'll be be in contention for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think the no fans might be an advantage to them. They're not going to be the focus in the building the whole time. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just going to be like playing another game, hopefully for them. So. At the same time, it's it's always fun when people are cheering for you and people are rooting you on yeah. in a very uh, enthusiastic manner. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. But uh, And Krista McCarville, she does play a more defensive style than some of the other teams uh, in this pool, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see that mesh of styles. Like her against Suzanne Burt will be fun. I hope that's the TV game whenever that game takes place because Suzanne Burt wants points and rocks and play, and, and McCarville is less enthusiastic about that. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be fun to see how all this plays out with, with those teams, but kind of got hosed on the, the draw, I think a little for, for Kristen McCarvel. Yeah, it's tough. Next up in the pool is Andrew Crawford from New Brunswick. This is going to be a new look side for New Brunswick as Sylvie Quillian, formerly Sylvie Robichaud, multiple time, Women's provincial champion as a skip has joined the team, joined the team in the spring of 2020. They, of course, did not make it to the Scotties last year. It was Melissa Adams who represented New Brunswick. So, this will be the first time we see this pair at a Scotties. It'll be interesting to see that, Scott, because Sylvie Robichaud is a great player. She's skipped, as I said, in Scotties before at the mixed nationals, I've seen her play. Now, stepping down to third, I think that might be a better fit for her just based on having talked to her a couple of times and and just sort of seeing her results at these events. And Andrea Crawford's been there, done it all. I I think this team could be a wrench in some of these other teams' plans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Sylvia
1: Robichaud is a great curler in her own right. And fitting into this team, I think, I think it's a good fit to, to be honest. Uh, They've got the strong front end. Uh, Jill Babin is still on their team, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a pretty strong front end. Not not the powerful sweeping that you see from like a team Holman or a team Flurry on the front end, but uh, able to make their shots and manage stones really well. So, yeah, I think this team could be a thorn in the side of some of these other teams and and all it takes, you know, is to get one or two wins under your belt early and then yeah. start feeling it and roll. And uh yeah. they've definitely got the skills to be able to do it. It's about putting it all together when the
0: time comes. Yeah. Which will, which will be tough as, as we've said, but it's yeah. Like again, this is one of the lower ranked teams in the pool and uh, they're good. They're, they're certainly good. So it's yeah, yeah just, it. it I, I hate to just keep reading, repeating myself, but there it's a, such a good pool. Uh, and that brings us to Suzanne Burt, 27th ranked team in the country. Take the over with Suzanne Burt. In her games last year, she went 4-4 four and four in pool play. Did not advance into the championship pool. Lowest number of points was 13 in a game for Suzanne Burt. That was the lowest. So, you In know, games they, they won, right? No, in all the games. The lowest number of po- total, point score total a points scored in the game. Total okay. points scored. They hit double digits themselves three times. But yeah, the total number of points in a game, lowest, was 13. So... There's going to be rocks in play, no blanks. So anyone who hates blanks, advocate for more Suzanne Burke games on your TV uh, because she'll always be in it because she can come back, but also means the other team's always in it too because she's liable to leave stuff in play and play aggressively. It makes for good TV, but it also leads to sometimes you're like, ooh, ooh, maybe maybe hit that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, this team, we got to see them a lot last year on TV as you'll yeah, recall. Uh, and we'll see what happens this year with the TV coverage. Uh, the, the next teams we're going to talk about, I, I fear we'll not get any coverage again. Uh, if Suzanne Burt can come out, get a couple early wins, then we should be able to see her back on our TVs. Uh, with the pool play the way it is, right? The whole pool is playing at the same time. And there's so many heavy hitters further up the rankings That I'm sure TSN will want to put on TV before they put on, you know, Suzanne Burt versus Andrea Crawford. So a little unfortunate that way that uh, we might get less Suzanne Burt on our TV, but uh, here's hoping they go on a run and we get to see her all week long.
0: Absolutely. All right. uh, Two more teams in the pool. These folks might have a tough time getting some wins over the course of the week, but. You never know. They're there. They have a better chance of winning than I do because I'm not playing in the games. So let's start with Newfoundland and Labrador. Sarah Hill, 78th ranked team in the country, played last year at this event, went 2-6. and six. Interesting note, Scott. When they had the hammer last year, they did not blank an end. Hmm. I like that. Interesting strategy. So again, rocks in play. Things are going to be interesting. Uh, so Sarah Hill and her team... Again, younger-ish team building up. uh, You know, women's Mm -hmm. curling in Newfoundland and Labrador. We haven't seen a lot of success in a while there. So maybe since Heather Strong probably is the last one who who really had a a strong team (laughs) and uh, uh, was making you know threatening for playoffs. So hopefully that they can they can pull it out, but it's going to be tough in this pool for them. Oh yeah, I think uh, any win this week would be a pretty big victory yes and rounding out the team or the field excuse me in pool a is Bridget McPhail from Nunavut Bridget McPhail has played in the junior championship before in 2007 she was the lead for Mary Jane McCollum in New Brunswick that uh, so she is from New Brunswick the other players are from territory two of them are in the east coast for school the lead, Allison Taylor, is still in Iqaluit. She just met some of the other members of the team in person. They're they're in Halifax training right now for the Scotties, so they just met in person for the first time, but at least you have three people who are from the territory, and uh, Bridget McPhail is stepping in to skip. The the question, though, Allison Taylor has not been able to play at all. The Iqaluit Curling Club has been closed for both COVID and uh, some water issues there in Iqaluit, so She's the lead, so it's not as detrimental as if the skip hadn't thrown in a couple months, but that could be problematic for a team. And I I think the goal for them will probably be to play a full 10 ends, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, and they could aim to get one win. I think uh, think that would be a pretty successful week. Yeah.
0: So that's pool A. Let's quickly move on to pool number B. Scott, uh, we'll go through again. In order of the rankings, we'll start with Laura Walker, third-ranked team in the country. Question, of course, can she improve on her bronze medal from last year? Uh, kind of an interesting stat. She went three and five at the trials, but was plus on the point differential. Scored sixty-one, gave up fifty-seven, but the other team scored in more ends than she scored in. So, but she's giving up points. It was giving up low, low scores and getting multiples. Of course, the mm-hmm. the really tough. Finished to the trials for her against Jackie Harrison. Draw 17. Scored five in the third end. Gave four right back. Uh, really mm. tough. Losing in the extra end. So can she improve? They are an ascendant team. I think that they should do very well in this pool.
1: Yeah, this pool sets up really nicely for them. That's that's a cool stat about, you know, they're, they're scoring multiples and giving up singles or maybe twos. But yeah. uh, breaking it open when they score so you know if we see that trend continue pythagorean win loss is a lot higher than what she posted there at the trials so i'm i'm excited to watch them mix it up this
0: week me too uh yeah and it's sort of the opposite of what we saw with penny barker in 2017 where you're scoring singles giving up multiples so uh that's a, a, a sort of a good obviously you want to win the games and it's better to win the games but that's sort of a good outline stat that shows that Maybe the record doesn't reflect sort of the the game play or the game style at least. Next up is the two-time defending champion, fourth-ranked team in the country, Carrie Anderson. Scott, Carrie Anderson will be trying to become only the fourth woman to ever win three consecutive national championships. Can you name the three of them? Colleen Jones. Correct. 01, 02, 03, and 04. I want to say that woman from Saskatchewan. Vera Pezer, correct. 71, 72, and 73. Yeah, I, I knew her name was short. Vera. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other one with three? In a row. Jennifer Jones? Jennifer Jones, Jones, 08, 09, and 2010. So Carrie Anderson will be trying to join them as the only women to win three consecutive national championships. Uh, they're really good. That's my analysis. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This team's really good, Sean. They, uh, I think they I think they're ha- have a good attitude coming out, you know, disappointing to not advance to the Olympics. I know that's what they were put together for, but, uh, they, they've got some unresolved business at the worlds and I think would
0: really love a chance to get back there, uh, for a little redemption. All right. Let's move on to Manitoba. Mackenzie Zacharias, they're the seventh-ranked team in the country. Three and five last year, missed out on the championship pool, came through one Manitoba first time for a provincial championship for Mackenzie Zacharias, beat Christy Watling in the final. Last year, Scott, Carly Burgess, we've talked about how good she is, a key for this team. Last year, she was 76% on her draws, 77% on her hits. Uh, She was the sixth-ranked third which isn't bad, certainly, but you would like to see her do a little better if you can bump those percentages up a couple points because Mackenzie Zacharias herself, the 11th ranked skip in the field last year. So if, if Carly can bump those a little bit, you might expect a bigger increase in Mackenzie Zacharias's numbers and certainly in comparison to her opponents by just putting her in that much better position. So I think Carly Burgess is going to be key for this team as well as Mackenzie Zacharias getting her feet wet earlier and getting more comfortable because she was great later in the week last year, it was just that yeah. early stumble that, that really hurt her. So I think that'll be a, a key trend to look for.
1: Yeah. And this team, uh, you know, benefiting from that three wild card format last year, getting the opportunity to get some experience, come back, win Manitoba this year. I don't think anybody uh, thought that was going to happen mostly because everyone thought Tracy Fleury was going to win Manitoba, but, uh, like a pretty great story for them to come through and break through so early in their careers in Manitoba. You know, we, we talked about Chelsea Carey having to wait so long to get that Buffalo on her back and uh, the the pride that she took when she finally did. So for a team so young to come and break through this quickly, a lot of skill, a lot of talent there. They're bringing Laurie Olson Johns as their fifth. So maybe that, that will help with some of the adapting to, you know, the rhythms of the week. Uh, it, it's again, not like a regular week. You're not going to the up close and personals. You're not doing autograph sessions, but it, it'll be good to have that veteran voice in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah. Uh, no question about it. She's that uh, Laurie Olson. John's great. So let's uh, move on to the next team. Uh, see who might be able to squeeze their way into that top three. Get in between Alberta, Canada, Manitoba from that modified page. The first one up is Holly Duncan, Team Ontario. Got in, of course, with the somewhat controversial decision by Curl Ontario that if Rachel Holman hadn't gone to the Olympics, it would have been Team Holman. But it's not. It's Holly Duncan. And she, of course, was there in 2018, made it to the championship pool through a tiebreaker. This year, they are 25-11. and They're crushing people, scoring 9.2 points a game, only giving up 6.4 with a 46% hammer efficiency, went 3-3 three and three at the pre-trials, even played the National going 2-3 and three there. Uh, so they're having a great season. Scott, I think the question here will be, can they keep that momentum going throughout this event?
1: Yeah, exactly. It'll be all about the momentum. As you said, they've had a great year so far. Uh, they're converting with the hammer, you know they're protecting against the steals. They're winning events. Uh, not much more you can you can do than what they did this year. So uh, mm-hmm. I think they're a, a real team to watch in this pool with uh, the team Zacharias. The relative lack of experience. I know Holly Duncan has also got not that much experience, but been there before. I think one Scotty's right. Yeah, I believe
0: twenty eighteen was the one.
1: Yeah. And uh, a, a pretty a pretty good experienced team behind her too with Megan Balston and, and uh, Rochelle and Tess at the front end there. So this should be, uh, I, I think this is the team to watch in this pool. See if they can keep okay. their momentum going,
0: as you mentioned. All right. Uh, and another team that's going to try and keep some momentum going off a pretty good season is Kerry Galusha, Northwest Territory, 13th ranked team in the country, 4-4 four four last year, just missing the championship pool in that last draw against Beth Peterson and uh, couldn't quite pull off that game. Did beat Rachel Holman in that event. Question is, is this the best chance for Kerry Galusha to make a playoffs at of Scotties? I might argue that yes. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah, as much as pool A was a disadvantage for a team like McCarvel or or Team Burt, the pool B is an advantage for Carrie Galusha, uh, 19 times there, as you mentioned. It, it, this is the year, if it's going to break, it's going to be this year. I don't see her coming back past this year. It's the end of the quad. Uh, she's hinted at retiring already. So, yeah, I, I, if it's going to happen, it's got to be now. And it is probably the best opportunity that she's had in a long, long time to, to get into that sort of modified playoff as we talk talked about yeah
0: yeah I think the key is going to be for her not to give up games against the teams below her right because she can as we we see it pretty much every year she'll she'll get a game against one of the top teams she's she's good enough to do that does it all the time you just can't slip against the teams that are below you uh, win the games that you're quote-unquote supposed to win so see what happens there for Carrie Galusha always rooting for Carrie Galusha on this show to uh, to make a playoff that'd be a lot of fun to see her in that modified page. All right, next up yep. is Nova Scotia. This is skipped by Christina Black, who was part of that 2018 bronze medal performance where Marion Arsenault skipped a younger team to that bronze medal. I was, I looked through the teams, guys, like, oh, this is a young team. And then they're kind of my age. And I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> they're not a young team. And then I, then I had this existential crisis of, oh, my God, do I think I'm old? And then it really wound me up to the point where I had to just step away from everything for a minute. But uh, so uh, Christina Black stepping into the skips role. It'll be fun to see what they can do here, uh, whether or not they can build on what they learned from Marianne Arsenault. Sort of the note I have for them is how much did they pick up? What tips did they get? How much did that experience rub off on them? And now that they're on their own without Marianne Arsenault, what will the residual result be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the difference between this team and that team is that that team had Mary Arsenal throwing rocks for it, right? Like, yeah, she's one of the greats. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how they manage to do without that. I think it's going to be tough. So, yeah, I, I I'm not uh, optimistic. I'm not really down, but uh, I I
0: don't know if I see it this year. But if they, you know, if they get an early win or two, it's possible.
1: Yeah, anything's possible, like
0: Kevin Garnett says. (laughs) All right, next up on this pool, it's team British Columbia. Skipped by the aforementioned Mary Ann Arsenault. Scott, on this team, you have Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, and Renee Simons. Combined, this team has 11 Scotties championships and five world championships, and they are the 14th ranked team in the pool. Or in the in the field, excuse me. So you know that's kind of fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's insane, right? Like, yeah. Uh, this
1: this team will be there at the end of the week. I'm calling my shot right now. They will be one of the three teams to advance from this pool.
0: Okay. Just too much experience, I think.
1: T- too much experience. They're just too good, I think, to uh, to to not be there. And looking at the competition in this pool, I think if they were in the other pool. It, would might be a different story.
0: They're, God, they're really good. The question though is, you know, over the course of the week, they're, they're older team overall is sweeping. Can you, you know, maintain that? And, I mean, we haven't seen Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, Renee Simons in a while. Right? You know, they did win in what is 05, 06 or 06, 07. Like yeah, it's been a while since they've won. So I think it's fair to wonder. But yeah, they're, they're really, really good. And it's yeah. remarkable to me that they're ranked this low. But again, that's the points. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Next up is Team Quebec. The sensation of last year's event, Laurie St. George and her team, they are back. Uh, there was not a provincial in Quebec. They were selected by the provincial association. What's interesting here, Scott, is they were so good last year in the round Robin in the pool play, and then went Owen four in the championship pool. And, and so I pulled up some of the numbers that if if you look at the plus minus that Lori herself, she was minus three in the championship pool. Haley was minus four in the championship pool. Emily was minus four in the championship pool. And Cynthia was minus one in the championship pool. So combined minus 12 in four games of the championship pool. So as the competition got better, their results relative to their opponents got worse. So the question is, can they keep up with the top teams in the fields? Can they, you know, can the four of them collectively play with a team flurry, team Walker, team Anderson? That's going to be the question. They can obviously compete with the other teams, but once it gets to the, the, that brass tacks, those top teams, how are they going to respond?
1: Yeah, um, they've got a lot more experience, you know, uh, in this past year. And I, I, what I'm hoping is that we get to see them on TV a lot more than we did last year. Yeah. Just because they're, they're fun on TV. Uh, they look For like sure. they're having fun out there. The curling rock stars.
0: Yeah.
1: That's what I, I want to watch this week.
0: Yeah. And I think they'll get some games after last year and the social media sensation of it all. And uh, mm-hmm. so it should be, should be fun to see them out there. And uh, yeah, getting some good coverage. And wrapping up, Pool B, it's Haley Bernie. From the Yukon. She did skip the Yukon in 2020, went 0 7. Scott, in that event, they did not complete a 10th end in those seven games. So I think the goal for them this week is if it's not to win a game, uh, to keep things close, play tight games, get to a 10th end. I don't say that as any shade to Haley Bernie or her team. I always remember what. Uh, David St. Louis told us when we played against him before he went to the Briar as Nunavut, that their goal was to get to a 10th end and, uh, Mm. and that's okay. Just these teams are really good and uh, can she do it and find more success than they found in 2020? And I hope they can. Absolutely. So there you have it. uh, All 18 teams that are heading to Thunder Bay this week, Scott, give it to me now. Let's go with pick your three teams in each pool and then just give me the winner.
1: Oh boy, I, I didn't prepare for this, Sean. I didn't prepare for this. So okay. I'll start in pool B. Uh I'll take BC. I'll take Carrie Anderson, Team Canada. Yep. And Laura Walker. I, I don't okay. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Holly Duncan would be my uh fourth in that pool. And then in pool A, give me Tracy Flurry, give me Krista McCarville and a Holmanless Holman.
0: Okay, so you're saying Chelsea Carey misses out, and I'm going to disagree with you on that. I'm going to go with uh, same Krista McCarville and Tracy Flurry, but I'm going to throw in Chelsea Carey in that mix. And then over in pool number B, I'm going to go with Carrie Anderson. I will go with. Kerry Galusha to get that third spot, have a nice run this week. And then also I will take, yeah, I'll take Laura Walker as well.
1: It's kind of hard not to, right? Eh?
0: It is hard to win. And I'm going to go with, maybe this is a bold choice. I don't know. Kristen McCarvel wins. I've said it on the show before, so I'm going to stick with it. Who do you got to win?
1: Yeah. And uh, that that's going to be my heart pick, Sean, but uh, my head pick, give me the 3 pete
0: Back to back to back for Carrie Anderson is Scott's pick. So there you go. That's it. That's it.
1: Scotty is previewed. Boom.
0: <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to the preview. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast, your likes rating comments, all that good stuff helps us out, helps grow the show, helps other people find us on the interwebs. And then do follow along as we will tweet about all the fun and frivolity from Thunder Bay at game of stones pod. On both twitter and then we'll do some instagramming as well or over on facebook game of stones podcast you can follow along with everything going on there and head on over game of all of our past episodes plus a link to the merch with proceeds to food banks canada and the sandra Schmirler foundation so that'll do it for this episode plan is to be back a little later in the week with some other content as a lot is going on in the world of curling but Scott, you need to take a break. You need to calm yourself down. You need to escape the stress of the last 24 hours. How are you going to do mm-hmm.
1: that? Uh, I might play a little bit on the computer. I got uh, Saturday Night Live to watch from this weekend. Heard it was pretty nice. funny. Good. So I got that. Uh, you know what? I might just order pizza tonight because uh, pizza makes
0: me happy. Well, enjoy it and uh, hopefully by the time the curling gets on TV later in the week, you're back in your good mental state oh i i think i'll be there well, uh so there you go everybody uh that's our Scotty's preview again thank you for listening enjoy the games we'll be back later in the week but until then get those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert Two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Ooh. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott alongside as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, good uh good evening. How do you do?
1: Oh, I, you know, I uh indulged a bit last night uh in <laughs> in the drinks, so I'm not feeling uh-huh. So
0: hot. Yeah, you're not feeling top, uh, top draw here? You know, it's not, not, not doing not it Not feeling
1: you. top drawer, top draw, <laughs> but, uh, so
0: cute, so. there you go. Uh, yes, last night, uh, Scott was very fired up for the football match that, uh, did not go the way that, uh, Scott or myself, I was hoping for the Bills to win as well, but it was exciting, Scott. And isn't that all you really want?
1: No, I want it to be exciting and for the team I like to actually win something. Sean, you remember how fun it was in 2019 when the Raptors won?
0: Yeah, I do. I want to experience that again. Fair. It's totally fair. And maybe soon, Scott. They're good. They're a good team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, you know what else is going to be a lot of fun? The 2022 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts is kicking off on Friday night in Thunder Bay, which, of course, was scheduled to be the host of the 2021 Scotties Tournament of Hearts, which was, of course, postponed and then eventually put into the curling bubble in Calgary last year. So Thunder Bay gets it back. Unfortunately, nobody's going to be able to see it in Thunder Bay unless they're watching on TV as the provincial restrictions have limited access to the building. Nobody other than players or officials and the broadcasters will have access to the building at least until January 31st. There is a chance that with the Ontario rules changing at the end of the month that by championship weekend, there could be up to 500 fans in the stands for those playoff games, but it's certainly not going to be a full house and not the roaring crowd that we've seen in Thunder Bay. Scott, Northern Ontario for as much as some folks don't like that they have their own teams, when there's events in that association, the folks come out and they, uh, they're they good fans. Yeah, and
1: it's, uh, you know, like they waited so long for this event. They're supposed to have it last year. And then it gets postponed and now they can't have it sort of in the full way that they were hoping. It's really too bad for the organizing committee and all the folks there in Thunder Bay because you know that they were going to put on a good show and uh, everybody was going to have a good time. So uh, it's too bad. We will get curling on our TVs though. Uh, So uh, silver lining there, but uh, hopefully we can get a a full fledged event back in Thunder Bay uh, as soon as possible.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. And it's rare that you get a hometown team, right? There's always obviously a home province team, but when you have a hometown team, which would have been the case, or it still is the case for Krista McCarville. It's it's a lot of fun when those teams are are there and, and the fans really get into it, even more so than was just the home province team. So it's yeah. uh, that's that's unfortunate for for them. I know they were really looking forward to it, and, and hopefully they can make the playoffs. And even if it's five hundred fans, probably five hundred people who like they've all taught or like our neighbors, <laughs> like they'll, they'll like know four hundred ninety five of them. And uh, so it's, it should yeah. be fun if they can if they can pull that off. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. So a couple changes this year from what we saw last year. Well, one thing is kept the same, but was a change from what was scheduled. 18 teams are back in the field for the Scotties this year. Three wild card teams they've returned to this 18 team format. But what will be different this year is there is no championship pool. Of course, championship pool or the pool place, the championship pool started in 2018. At the Scotties in, I believe Penticton, uh, that year, and since then it's been sixteen teams to eight into the championship pool, and then to a page playoff. Last year was eighteen to eight to a three-team playoff. This year, though, because the playoffs, I this is this is my take. The playoffs were slightly unsatisfying. It's not great for TV either to have eight days of round robin into playoffs, even though you're changing from pool play into the championship pool. So what curling Canada has decided to do, and I'm I'm thinking with the full support of (laughs) the sports network is go to the model that we've seen at the mixed doubles national championship, where we're going to have pool play into a, what they're calling a modified page playoff. So the way it'll work is that if you finish first in your pool, you are guaranteed a spot in the page playoff. The second and third place teams will cross over and play each other in a game. The losers of those games are out. They are eliminated. The winners will play the first place finishers and the two winners of those games will play in the one-two game. The losers go to the three-four game. Scott, does that explanation one make sense? And I, I believe I was accurate in what I was saying. And two, do you like this change?
1: It makes sense, yes, Sean. And I think uh, having seen it at uh, one of the most recent events to to qualify for the trials, uh, right? It was at the pre-trials
0: we saw this format. I believe it was just the mixed doubles, but it could have been the pre-trials too. I can't. I can't remember. Uh, it might have been the mixed doubles. You, yeah. So it makes
1: sense. Do I like it? I think. What With this change, someone can win the Scotties without having played some of the the best teams. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not as fair a system, I'll say, because you're not being forced to play everybody. Even when they have the championship pool, okay, you're not playing everybody, but you're playing all the teams that are at the top. So... In that in that sense, you know, you still have to go through the gauntlet. Maybe okay, you don't play some of the the weaker provinces, but big deal. Probably you would have won that anyway. So sure. that's that. That's where I am with that. I I don't think it's inherently as fair, but given the the turnaround with which they added these extra wildcard teams, uh, I don't think they could have done anything else to start on Friday and then. Uh, with a full day like we saw last year.
0: Yeah, the solution would be starting earlier on Friday. You'd have to start Friday afternoon if you want to get pool play into a normal page. Mm -hmm. That's not ideal, certainly. You'd have to, so that would be starting Friday afternoon, filling in the Saturday morning slot, which currently doesn't have a game scheduled, playing straight through. So that, I mean, it's possible, but just from a kickoff standpoint, that's not really what you want to do. And you, you certainly, I don't think, want to go to three again in the playoffs, when you ha- especially if yeah. you're going to have a tie break. It was kind of unfair last year. So I, I don't know. It, it's not ideal. It's a one-year fix. But it, it is something to consider that there is this push now. A lot of people want to stick with this 18-team format. It does lead to questions about what you do for playoffs and how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you, you cannot, I don't think, have an 11-day event. I think that is just it's too much. Even at right right now it's at 10 days. Uh, or it's part mm-hmm. of 10 days, which I think is pushing it a little bit. Right, you're pushing your audience, you're pushing your participants. And what's the breaking point? I don't know, but it is something to think about that if if curling Canada and the fans want 18 teams, there's going to have to be a, a give somewhere. And and what yeah. that'll be, who knows.
1: Yeah, and I think what's better about this is that uh, there is a little more margin for error from the teams. You you do have to finish top three in your pool, but Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit easier to say that than to finish top three in the whole field just to make the playoffs. Right. So there is more of a chance for a team, you know, that still does well finishes third in their pool. There's still like a, a path for them. Whereas when you go over to the championship pool, the, the teams that are in you know that seven and eight spot basically have no chance,
0: and with the exception of twenty eighteen that's what we've seen,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, so that's that that's a little more uh make makes that pill a little easier to swallow, I think, yeah,
0: yeah, and in terms of not playing everybody it it's true yes you you won't have to necessarily play everybody, but you could also make the argument that in the old system, you didn't necessarily have to beat everybody either. So you could no. go through, lose to a team in the round robin, that team loses in the playoffs to somebody else, and then you go on to win the championship. So is that that much different? I guess it maybe is, but who, who knows? I mean, th- this is the system. This is what it's going to be. It's never going to be t- determining purely the best team, which would just be line everybody up, play everybody. Most wins at the end of the week wins and you don't have a right? Yeah, so yeah. That's how you would actually determine the best team. But this is what we have. So once again, we have two pools, pool A, pool B. Scott, before we get into the pools, I, I was thinking this afternoon, do we think that there might be an advantage to the non-trials teams? So the, the teams that did not play in the Olympic curling trials in November because they have been able to set their schedules a little more to the Scotties, gear their seasons towards this particular event, whereas the trials teams are coming off not only trying to get up and peak for the trials in late November, but also the disappointment then of not winning the trials. And we saw in 2018, it was a weird event. Jennifer Jones ended up winning, but it was a weird event throughout. Do we think that that might happen here?
1: Maybe, maybe. I think that given that the trials were like a little bit earlier this year, I guess just a week, but that might mean, okay, we've had a little more time compared to four years ago uh, to kind of put that behind us. I think the, what the real advantage that we're going to see is from the teams that had an opportunity to play in playdowns, downs, uh, get those games under their belt because, uh, you know, for a team like Krista McCarville that doesn't play r- regularly very much on tour, then coming into this event without even having to go through their provincial, will we see some rust in the first couple of games? And with you not playing everybody, every game is that much more important this time. So,
0: yep.
1: yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that affects them. I, I that's what I would put it at. Like the the t- teams that are good are still going to be good. And True. I don't think Carrie Anderson losing at the trials is going to carry over into this kind of an event.
0: They'll they'll be one of the favorites. So all right, all right, fair enough. Uh, you, it's interesting you mentioned the Chris McCarville situation. They probably haven't been able to be on ice at all in a while, uh, given the yeah. provincial restrictions here. Same with Holly Duncan and her team. So forget just the lack of games, just the lack of potential opportunities for practice uh, could have been, Mm -hmm. could have been a struggle for, for those two teams, but let's get into it. Scott, as always at these events, two pools, pool a and pool number two, one of these pools is much, much better than the other one. uh, I would, I would argue now they're, they're done with a formula. Each, each team is ranked based off of their position on the, CRTS points or CTRS points, and it's divvied up. So it's even based on the points in the rankings. I would argue that this is not even remotely even based on who these teams are. And that especially over the past two years where opportunities to get points have been so fragmented that the rankings are somewhat meaningless at this point. But this is the system. It's probably the most fair way to determine the two pools. But Scott, are you with me? that one of the pools is uh, decidedly stronger than the other. Yes, yes. Pool A is much, much stronger than Pool B. Yes, uh, I agree. So Pool A is uh, the three wildcard teams of Tracy Fleury and uh, Chelsea Carey and Emma Miscue skipping for the absent Rachel Holman, who is, of course, on her way to Beijing. The rest of the field is Saskatchewan and Penny Barker, PEI with Suzanne Burt, Northern Ontario, with Krista McCarville, New Brunswick, and Andrea Crawford, Sarah Hill from Newfoundland and Labrador, and Bridget McPhail from Nunavut, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty loaded pool. Yeah, that's
1: they've never had three wildcard teams in the same pool because they've only had it once. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, but that's that's kind of murderers row when you think about it. And and so, like, Tracy Fleury, number one on the CTRS rankings. Yeah. And then number two is Jennifer Jones, who's not there. So then you go to three and four, and we'll talk about who Walker and Anderson. And then you get right back to Chelsea Carey and Rachel Holman. And a lot of those points that they earned this fall, Chelsea Carey's rink played a lot, uh, gearing up for the Saskatchewan Scotties but uh, Rachel Holman's team didn't. They earned most of those points trying to get into the Ontario provincial. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's weird to use these points to, to determine this, but there there is no other way to do it.
0: No. And I think the, the, the issue here isn't so much the top three, because the top three in, in both pools are really good. The top three, four are are very good in both pools. Yeah. It's when you get to the bottom where it kind of breaks, unfortunately, for Kristen McCarvel, for instance, who's ranked lower. They don't play a lot. They're number 12, but yeah. they don't play a lot. So they get put into this pool, uh, which is very good. And then just for kicks, let's throw Suzanne Burton there, too, uh, who's a great yeah. player, who, who, who certainly is more than capable of making a playoffs or in a normal year, making the championship pool. So you're looking at five, I think, really strong teams, Penny Barker not a lot of experience here, and when she's been here before, hasn't had a lot of success. But if you get out of Saskatchewan, you're good. They don't win a lot yeah. nationally at, at this level, but if you get out of that province, you're good, and you can win games. So it's it's going to be really tough for people to come through. And then Andrea Crawford's another one, like a lot of experience, good player a good team, all of whom have been here a bunch. They they know how to win games at this level. They're, they're not going to go undefeated in any field at Escotties, but they're good and they can win and they'll give you a good game. So you're looking at out of the nine teams, seven are really good and experienced. And it, it's going to be a, a real tough slog to get out of this. And this might be why the new playoff structure might be fairer for these teams, because if they're just going to beat up on each other, and you get more yeah. of a separation in the other pool, potentially the, the four that would come out of this pool could be coming out with maybe the, the best team has two losses, uh, probably not right. three, but, but two is not, would not be crazy that the first place team here has two. And so you might be starting at a deficit relative to their pool, but this is going to be a, mm-hmm. every time pool A is on, it's going to be a good game.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There, there's going to be no shortage of options for TSN in pool A for sure. Yes. So I got a couple things for each team here, Scott, or really one thing for each team. I just want to talk about So let's go through based on the ranking and we'll start with Tracy Fleury, top ranked team in the country. And the question here is, can there be a letdown for Tracy Fleury? The way they lost that final at the trials, very difficult. You thought that they had lost it. Then you thought they had won it and then they lost it again. Uh, So just the the Mm -hmm. roller coaster of that, they missed the playoffs at the Manitoba Scotties went five and three in the the second pool, missed the playoffs. Everyone else was the three teams at six and two to get in. Is there a chance that they're not up for this event in the way that we saw them be great at the trials?
1: Yeah. Sean, as someone who has recently undergone some emotional roller coaster, um, Thinking, thinking, a team had won and then lost and then lost and anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's definitely possible for them to experience that letdown. We saw, like you mentioned, they missed the playoffs in the Manitoba Scotties. Was uh, that was incredible? Like no yeah. one could have foreseen that, especially with Jennifer Jones not in the field. Uh, so I think that was their letdown. So now maybe that they've gotten that letdown out of their system. They're still getting to come back to this event as the wild card number number one seeded team. So I'm going to say that their letdown is behind them and they'll come out really focused uh in Thunder Bay. They lost one game, Sean, one game in the Olympic Trials and it was the wrong one to lose. <laughs> so they're good enough uh I think they'll be there at the end of the week.
0: Yeah, they should be, certainly. And they, they, you would think that they'll be in that top three. And I, I think they might have got hurt a little bit on just the timing of the Manitoba Scotties, that it happened as early as it did. Normally, you see it a little later in the calendar. But of course, the calendar's all screwed up this year. So that was a pretty tight turnaround from trials into mm-hmm. the Manitoba Scotties. And they didn't play poorly. You know, you're five and three. That's that's good. Like, that's, that's not bad. That's a, a good result. Just Three teams happen to go six and two. You kind of got hosed a little bit on the results yeah. elsewhere. The the scoreboard didn't break for you. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine uh, and, and an event that I don't know if they're the favorite coming in. I would say they're not, uh, but they're certainly in the, the discussion as a team that you would expect to be there on Sunday.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: So let's move on to wild card number two, Chelsea Carey, fifth-ranked team in the country at the moment. The question here, Scott, will Chelsea Carey be in FU mode after the discussion about whether or not the team should have been included in the wild card game, as was about a week of a discussion before the format change was announced, should they be in that game or not? Does Chelsea Carey come in here with the chip on her shoulder? And if she does, what does that mean for the rest of the field? Um, I think so.
1: I think so. I think what's going to limit Chelsea Carey is the play of her teammates. Right? We all know Chelsea can do it. She's one, two. Uh, So it's going to come down to how the other three perform at at this level. Uh, Some experience there already, but, you know, Chelsea can be in FU mode. But if she's not getting uh, the proper shots to set her up for success, then she's not going to win many games. Um, Yeah, that's my thought.
0: Yeah. So if you look at the team, Jolene Campbell at third, Stephanie Schmidt at second and Jennifer Armstrong at lead, like Jolene Campbell, national champion with Amber Holland back in 2011. But if you watch those tapes, it's an Amber Holland championship, not to take anything away Mm -hmm. from the team. Amber Holland was just incredible that whole week back in 2011. So again, you have that experience, championship experience. And yeah, can you put Chelsea Carey into that position? And what is their communication like? Last time she won in 2019, so much was made about what uh, Ferguson and Rochelle Brown were able to do in terms of calming things down, simplifying the game, simplifying the language. So how much of that has happened with this team? It'll be fun to watch. This will be our first chance to really see the four of them on a big stage like this. They were scheduled to play in the Grand Slam this month, which of course was canceled. So this will be the first chance to see them on TV. It'll be fun to uh, to get a look mm-hmm. at new look Chelsea Carey team. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, wildcard team number three. That's Rachel Homan's team, ranked sixth in the country at the moment. Of course, Rachel Homan is on her way to Beijing, as I said. So Emma Miskew is going to step in and play the skip position. Allie Flaxi. Longtime skip of her own. She's played in the trials before. She's made it in in 2017. She's going to come in and play second. And Sarah Wilkes will step up Mm -hmm. to third. The question, Scott, is can Emma Miscue skip?
1: Sean, I think that's the question everybody's going to be asking themselves (laughs) because she's literally never done it. Yeah. Right? She was supposed to do it at the the Grand Slam to end last year with Rachel off having uh, given birth and Rachel was like, no, 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 we're we're not, we're not <laughs> going to see this yet. You step aside. Yeah. I'm back. So, you know, there's no reason to think she can't, she can make all the shots for sure. It's just going to be a question of, is the routine something that's going to be disrupted enough to where it, it rattles her? I would say no, uh, yeah. most, most likely not. So that that's, I think that's one of the big stories of the whole week, Sean,
0: what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's maybe the biggest story coming into the event of of whether Emma Miski can do it. I'm sure she skipped in like a charity something or like a fun spiel. Like I'm sure she's thrown the last no, rock no, before. But yeah, laugh. not, <laughs> but yeah, certainly not at an event uh, of this magnitude. The other question, of course, is Allie Flaxi. How does the skip do stepping down to the second position and you also then have the change of Sarah Wilkes. Of course, Sarah Wilkes has won a national championship at the third position. So that's yeah. not like she's never done it before. So we'll see how that all comes together. in, in those positions, they, they, they're all, they all know each other. They've known each other for like 10, 20 years. So, I mean, it's, it's not a case of, you have to get to know Ali Flaxi at all. Uh, it's just a case of how do you work together, playing together for the first time? I, I think it'll be interesting to see. And, Eventually, of course, a skip has to hit the button at the, the last shot, either of a game or an end of a big end facing a couple. And the fact that you've never done that before, how does that weigh in? Like you've had so many pressure situations that you've been in, but it's a little different when you're the one throwing it, I would think. So it'll be fun to see how Emma Miskew responds and whether or not the mm-hmm. team can come together and, and play well. They certainly didn't play well at the trials. So here's a chance mm-hmm. for the rest of the team to come back and have a nice little response to that while Rachel's off at the Olympics. Absolutely. Who's next? Next up for this major Pool A is Saskatchewan. And Penny Barker ranked 11th in the country at the moment. Penny Barker did represent Saskatchewan back in 2017. Came across a pretty interesting stat, Scott. The team went 1-10, in 10, which from an analytic perspective is not good. But over the course of the week, they scored points in 45 ends. So in 11 games, you score 45 ends. They gave up points in 52 ends. So Hmm. that's not that big of a disparity. You wouldn't think if the other teams are scoring in seven more ends over the course of the week that you go one in 10. You would think it'd be slightly even. But here is the kicker is that. In those 52 ends, they gave up 86 points. So every time the other team scored, it was 1.65 points on average. Every time they yeah, scored, every time they scored 1.35 points. So 61 points and 45 ends. So that's it. Like you're giving up big ends and getting a majority of singles back. Can they change that? Can she crack deuces, crack threes when she needs to, which is going to be tough in this field. These teams can play defensively uh, and have the ability to uh, the high weight the peels to clear things out. That's going to be the question for Penny Barker. How much has that scoring dynamic can she change from her last time here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great stat that they're definitely going to have to do that. And they're going to have to, to do it against a level of talent that I would say is higher than the last time. So it's going to be tough. They're a good team for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, th- this pool is so hard. I, I think it's going to be a little too
0: much for them. It's going to be tough. Uh, no question, because the teams ahead of them are great. And a couple of the teams behind them uh, are great, too. So it's it's going to be a tough mm-hmm. sledding for Penny Barker. But uh, it- it'll be interesting to see what she can do here on her second time back. So next up is Krista McCarvel, 12th ranked team. In the country, they, of course, lost the semifinal game at the Canadian Olympic Curling Trials back in November. Scott, for the week, Krista McCarvel threw 82% on her hits, only 75% on her draws, and 73% on her intern draws. That's not what you expect Hmm. from Krista McCarvel. So, can she get the draw weight back? We saw her miss a weird, weird ways, too. Like, she threw, I think she threw a couple through on open draws, just things that, that we haven't seen Kristen McCarvel do in a very long time. Can she find that weight, especially early enough in the week to keep in contention so that they could be there for a spot once we get to Wednesday, Thursday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely didn't put, wasn't as sharp last year, uh, as we've seen in the past. And you know, you, you mentioned and we talked about the rust. That's something I'm looking for with this team and then being the home team the hometown team, is that uh, a plus or a minus, right? Uh, plus, you could probably go and sleep in your own house, but I think yeah. they're controlling where the players are. So, yeah, it, it a lot of variability, I think, for this team. But when it comes down to to it, we've seen her win big games to, to put them in position. And I, I think, despite the tough competition, I think they'll be there. At the end, I I don't think they'll win this pool, but I think they'll be be in contention for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think the no fans might be an advantage to them. They're not going to be the focus in the building the whole time. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just going to be like playing another game, hopefully for them. So. At the same time, it's it's always fun when people are cheering for you and people are rooting you on yeah. in a very uh, enthusiastic manner. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. But uh, And Krista McCarville, she does play a more defensive style than some of the other teams uh, in this pool, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see that mesh of styles. Like Her against Suzanne Burt will be fun. I hope that's the TV game whenever that game takes place because Suzanne Burt wants points and rocks and play, and, and McCarville is less enthusiastic about that. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be fun to see how all this plays out with, with those teams, but kind of got hosed on the, the dry. I think a little for, for Kristen McCarville. Yeah, it's tough. Next up in the pool is Andrew Crawford from new Brunswick. This is going to be a new look side for new Brunswick as Sylvie Quillian, formerly Sylvie Robichaud, multiple time, Women's provincial champion as a skip has joined the team, joined the team in the spring of 2020. They, of course, did not make it to the Scotties last year. It was Melissa Adams who represented New Brunswick. So, this will be the first time we see this pair at a Scotties. It'll be interesting to see that, Scott, because Sylvie Robichaud is a great player. She's skipped, as I said, in Scotties before at the mixed nationals. I've seen her play now, stepping down to third. I think that might be a better fit for her just based on having talked to her a couple of times and and just sort of seeing her results at these events. And Andrea Crawford's been there, done it all. I I think this team could be a wrench in some of these other teams' plans. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Sylvia Robichaud is a great curler in her own right. And fitting into this team, I think, I think it's a good fit to, to be honest. Uh, They've got the strong front end. Uh, Jill Babin is still on their team, right? Mm -hmm. So a pretty strong front end not not the powerful sweeping that you see from like a team Holman or a team Flurry on the front end but uh, able to make their shots and manage stones really well so yeah i think this team could be a thorn in the side of some of these other teams and and all it takes you know is to get one or two wins under your belt early and then yeah. start feeling it and roll and uh yeah. they've definitely got skills to be able to do it it's about putting it all together when the time comes yeah which will
0: which will be tough as as we've said but it's yeah like again this is one of the lower ranked teams in the pool and uh they're good they're they're certainly good so it's yeah yeah, just it it, i I hate to just keep reading repeating myself but there it's a such a good pool Uh, and that brings us to suzanne burt 27th ranked team in the country Take the over with Suzanne Burt. In her games last year, she went 4-4 four and four in pool play. Did not advance into the championship pool. Lowest number of points was 13 in a game for Suzanne Burt. That was the lowest. So, you In know, games they, they won, right? No, in all the games. The lowest number of po- total points scored in a points. game. Total okay. points scored. They hit double digits themselves three times. But yeah, the total number of points in a game, lowest, was 13. So... There's going to be rocks in play, no blanks. So anyone who hates blanks, advocate for more Suzanne Burke games on your TV because uh, she'll always be in it because she can come back, but also means the other team's always in it too because uh, she's liable to leave stuff and play and play aggressively. It makes for good TV, but it also leads to sometimes you're like, ooh, ooh maybe, maybe, maybe hit that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, this team, we got to see them a lot last year on TV as you'll recall. Uh, And we'll see what happens this year with the TV coverage. Uh, The the next teams we're going to talk about, I I fear we'll not get any coverage again. Uh, If Suzanne Burt can come out, get a couple early wins, then we should be able to see her back on our TVs. Uh, With the pool play the way it is, right? The whole pool is playing at the same time. And there's so many heavy hitters further up the rankings That I'm sure TSN will want to put on TV before they put on, you know, Suzanne Burt versus Andrea Crawford. So a little unfortunate that way that uh, we might get less Suzanne Burt on our TV, but uh, here's hoping they go on a run and we get to see
0: her all week long. Absolutely. All right. uh, Two more teams in the pool. These folks might have a tough time getting some wins over the course of the week, but. You never know. They're there. They have a better chance of winning than I do because I'm not playing in the games. So let's start with Newfoundland and Labrador. Sarah Hill, 78th ranked team in the country, played last year at this event, went 2-6. and six. Interesting note, Scott. When they had the hammer last year, they did not blank an end. Hmm. I like that. Interesting strategy. So, again, rocks in play. Things are going to be interesting. Uh, so Sarah Hill and her team – Again, younger ish team building up. uh, You know, women's Mm -hmm. curling in Newfoundland and Labrador. We haven't seen a lot of success in a while there. So maybe since Heather Strong probably is the last one who who really had a a strong team (laughs) and uh, uh, was make you know threatening for playoffs. So hopefully that they can they can pull it out, but it's going to be tough in this pool for them. Oh yeah, I think uh, any win this week would be a pretty big victory. Yes. And rounding out the team or the field, excuse me, in pool. A is Bridget McPhail from Nunavut. Bridget McPhail has played in the junior championship before in 2007. She was the lead for Mary Jane McCollum in New Brunswick that, uh, so she is from New Brunswick. The other players are from territory. Two of them are in the East coast for school. The lead, Allison Taylor, is still in Iqaluit. She just met some of the other members of the team in person. They're they're in Halifax training right now for the Scotties, so they just met in person for the first time. But at least you have three people who are from the territory, and uh, Bridget McPhail is stepping in to skip. The the question, though, Allison Taylor has not been able to play at all. The Iqaluit curling club has been closed for both COVID and uh, some water issues there in Iqaluit, so... She's the lead, so it's not as detrimental as if the skip hadn't thrown in a couple months, but that could be problematic for a team. And I I think the goal for them will probably be to play a full 10 ends, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, and they could aim to get one win.
0: I think uh, think that would be a pretty successful week. Yeah. So that's pool A. Let's quickly move on to pool number B. Scott, uh, we'll go through again. In order of the rankings, we'll start with Laura Walker, third-ranked team in the country. Question, of course, can she improve on her bronze medal from last year? Uh, kind of an interesting stat. She went three and five at the trials, but was plus on the point differential. Scored sixty-one, gave up fifty-seven. But the other team scored in more ends than she scored in. So, but she's giving up points. It was giving up low, low scores and getting multiples. Of course, the mm-hmm. the really tough. Finished to the trials for her against Jackie Harrison. Draw 17. Scored five in the third end. Gave four right back. Uh, really mm. tough. Losing in the extra end. So can she improve? They are an ascendant team. I think that they should do very well in this pool.
1: Yeah, this pool sets up really nicely for them. That's that's a cool stat about, you know, they're, they're scoring multiples and giving up singles or maybe twos. But yeah. uh, breaking it open... When they score so you know if we see that trend continue pythagorean win loss is a lot higher than what she posted there at the trials so i'm i'm excited to watch them mix it up this week
0: me too uh yeah and it's sort of the opposite of what we saw with penny barker in 2017 where you're scoring singles giving up multiples so uh that's a, a, a sort of a good obviously you want to win the games and it's better to win the games but that's sort of a good outline stat that shows that Maybe the record doesn't reflect sort of the the game play or the game style at least. Next up is the two-time defending champion, fourth-ranked team in the country, Carrie Anderson. Scott, Carrie Anderson will be trying to become only the fourth woman to ever win three consecutive national championships. Can you name the three of them? Colleen Jones. Correct. 01, 02, 03, and 04. I want to say that woman from Saskatchewan. Vera Pezer, correct, 71, 72, and 73. Yeah, I, I knew her name was short, Vera. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other one with
1: three? In a row. Jennifer Jones?
0: Jennifer, Jennifer Jones, oh eight, oh nine, and 2010. So Carrie Anderson will be trying to join them as the only women to win three consecutive national championships. Uh, they're really good. That's my analysis. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah,
1: this team's really good, Sean. They, uh, I think they, I think they ha- have a good attitude coming out. You know, disappointing to not advance to the Olympics. I know that's what they were put together for, but uh, they they've got some unresolved business at the Worlds, and I think would really love a chance to get back there
0: uh, for a little redemption. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Manitoba. Mackenzie Zacharias, they're the seventh-ranked team in the country. Three and five last year, missed out on the championship pool, came through one Manitoba first time for a provincial championship for Mackenzie Zacharias, beat Christy Watling in the final. Last year, Scott, Carly Burgess, we've talked about how good she is, a key for this team. Last year, she was 76% on her draws, 77% on her hits. Uh, She was the sixth-ranked third which isn't bad, certainly, but you would like to see her do a little better if you can bump those percentages up a couple points because Mackenzie Zacharias herself, the 11th-ranked skip in the field last year. So if, if Carly can bump those a little bit, you might expect a bigger increase in Mackenzie Zacharias's numbers and certainly in comparison to her opponents by just putting her in that much better position. So I think Carly Burgess is going to be key for this team, as well as Mackenzie Zacharias, getting her feet wet earlier and getting more comfortable because she was great later in the week last year. But it was just that yeah. early stumble that that really hurt her. So I think that'll be a, a key trend to look for.
1: Yeah. And this team, uh, you know, benefiting from that three wild card format last year, getting the opportunity to get some experience, come back, win Manitoba this year. I don't think anybody uh, thought that was going to happen, mostly because everyone thought Tracy Fleur was going to win Manitoba. But, uh, like a pretty great story for them to come through and break through so early in their careers in Manitoba. You know, we, we talked about Chelsea Carey having to wait so long to get that Buffalo on her back and uh, the the pride that she took when she finally did. So for a team so young to come and break through this quickly, a lot of skill, a lot of talent there. They're bringing Lori Olson Johns as their fifth. So maybe that, that will help with some of the adapting to, you know, the rhythms of the week. Uh, it, it's again, not like a regular week. You're not going to the up close and personals. You're not doing autograph sessions, but it, it'll be good to have that veteran voice in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah. Uh, no question about it. She's that uh, Laurie Olson. John's great. So let's uh, move on to the next team. Uh, see who might be able to squeeze their way into that top three. Get in between Alberta, Canada, Manitoba from that modified page. The first one up is Holly Duncan, Team Ontario. Got in, of course, with the somewhat controversial decision by Curl Ontario that if Rachel Holman hadn't gone to the Olympics, it would have been Team Holman. But it's not. It's Holly Duncan. And she, of course, was there in 2018, made it to the championship pool through a tiebreaker. This year, they are 25-11. and They're crushing people, scoring 9.2 points a game, only giving up 6.4 with a 46% hammer efficiency, went 3-3 three three at the pre-trials, even played the National going 2-3 and three there. Uh, so they're having a great season. Scott, I think the question here will be, can they keep that momentum going throughout this event?
1: Yeah, exactly. It'll be all about the momentum. As you said, they've had a great year so far. Uh, they're converting with the hammer you know they're protecting against the steals, they're winning events. Uh not much more you can you can do than what they did this year. So uh I think they're a, a real team to watch in this pool with uh, the team Zacharias, the relative lack of experience I know Holly Duncan has also got not that much experience, but been there before. I think one Scotties,
0: right? Yeah, I believe and 2018 was the one.
1: Yeah. And uh, a, a pretty a pretty good experienced team behind her too with Megan Balston and, and uh, Rochelle and Tess at the front end there. So this should be, uh, I, I think this is the team to watch in
0: this pool. See if they can keep okay. their
1: momentum going, as you mentioned.
0: All right. Uh, and another team that's going to try and keep some momentum going off a pretty good season is Galusha Northwest Territory, 13th ranked team in the country, 4-4 four four last year, just missing the championship pool in that last draw against Beth Peterson and uh, couldn't quite pull off that game. Did beat Rachel Holman in that event. Question is, is this the best chance for Galusha to make a playoffs at of Scotties? I might argue that yes. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah, as much as pool A was a disadvantage for a team like McCarvel or, or Team Burt, the pool B is an advantage for Carrie Galusha, uh, 19 times there, as you mentioned. It, it, this is the year, if it's going to break, it's going to be this year. I don't see her coming back past this year. It's the end of the quad. Uh, she's hinted at retiring already. So, yeah, I, I, if it's going to happen, it's got to be now. And it is probably the best opportunity that she's had in a long, long time to, to get into that sort of modified playoff, as we talk, talked about. Yeah I,
0: I, yeah, I think the key is going to be for her not to give up games against the teams below her, right? Because she can, as we, we see it pretty much every year, she'll, she'll get a game against one of the top teams. She's, she's good enough yeah. to do that. Does it all the time. You just can't slip against the teams that are below you. Uh, win the games that you're quote-unquote supposed to win. So see what happens there for Carrie Galusha. Always rooting for Carrie Galusha on this show to, uh, to make a playoff. That'd be a lot of fun to see her in that modified Absolutely. page. All right. Next up yep. is Nova Scotia. This is skipped by Christina Black, who was part of that 2018 bronze medal performance, where Marion Arsenault skipped a younger team to that bronze medal. I was, I looked through the teams, guys. I was like, oh, this is a young team, and then they're kind of my age, and I was like, oh, maybe they're <laughs> not a young team. And then I, then I had this existential crisis of, oh my God, do I think I'm old? And then it really wound me up to the point where I had to just step away from everything for a minute. But uh, so uh, Christina Black stepping into the skips role. It'll be fun to see what they can do here, uh, whether or not they can build on what they learned from Marianne Arsenault. Sort of the note I have for them is how much did they pick up? What tips did they get? How much did that experience rub off on them? And now that they're on their own without Marianne Arsenal, what will the residual result be? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the, the difference between This team and that team is that that team had Marian Arsenal throwing rocks for it, right? Like, yeah, she's one of the greats. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how they manage to do without that. I think it's going to be tough. So, yeah, I'm not uh, optimistic. I'm not really down, but uh, I I don't know if I see it this year.
0: But if they, you know, if they get an early win or two, it's possible. Yeah,
1: anything's possible, like Kevin Garnett says.
0: (laughs) All right, next up on this pool, it's team British Columbia. Skipped by the aforementioned Mary Ann Arsenault. Scott, on this team, you have Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, and Renee Simons. Combined, this team has 11 Scotties championships and five world championships, and they are the 14th ranked team in the pool. Or in the in the field, excuse me. So you know that's kind of fun. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's insane, right? Like, yeah. Uh, this this team will be there at the end of the week. I'm calling my shot right now. They will be one of the three teams to advance from this pool.
0: Okay. Just too much experience, I think.
1: T- too much experience. They're just too good, I think, to uh, to to not be there. And looking at the competition in this pool, I think if they were in the other pool. It, Would might be a different story.
0: They're, God, they're really good. The question though is, you know, over the course of the week, they're they're older team overall sweeping. Can you, you know, maintain that? I mean, we haven't seen Gina Schrader, Sasha Carter, Renee Simons in a while. You know, they did win in what is 05, 06 or 06, 07. Like it's been a while since they've won. So I think it's fair to wonder. But they're they're really, really good. And it's remarkable to me that they're ranked this low. But again, that's the points. That's the way it works. the way it works. Next up is Team Quebec. The sensation of last year's event, Laurie Saint-Georges and her team, they are back. Uh, There was not a provincial in Quebec. They were selected by the provincial association. What's interesting here, Scott, is they were so good last year in the round Robin in the pool play, and then went Owen four in the championship pool. And, and so I pulled up some of the numbers that if, if you look at the plus minus that Lori herself, she was minus three in the championship pool. Haley was minus four in the championship pool. Emily was minus four in the championship pool. And Cynthia was minus one in the championship pool. So combined minus 12 in four games of the championship pool. So as the competition got better, their results relative to their opponents got worse. So the question is, can they keep up with the top teams in the fields? Can they, you know, can the four of them collectively play with a team flurry, team Walker, team Anderson? That's going to be the question. They can obviously compete with the other teams, but once it gets to the, the, that brass tacks, those top teams, how are they going to respond?
1: Yeah. Um, they've got a lot more experience, you know, uh, in this past year. And I, I, what I'm hoping is that we get to see them on TV a lot more than we did last year. Yeah, just because they're they're fun on TV. Uh, they look For like sure. they're having fun out there. The curling rock stars. Yeah, that's what I that's what I want to watch this week.
0: Yeah, and I think they'll get some games after last year and the social media sensation of it all, and uh, mm-hmm. so it should be should be fun to see them out there. And uh, yeah, getting some good coverage and wrapping up pool B. It's Haley Bernie. From the Yukon. she did skip the Yukon in 2020, went 0-7. Scott, in that event, they did not complete a 10th end in those seven games. So I think the goal for them this week is, if it's not to win a game, uh, to keep things close, play tight games, get to a 10th end. I don't say that is any shade to Haley Bernie or her team. I always remember what... Uh, David St. Louis told us when we played against him before he went to the Briar as Nunavut, that their goal was to get to a 10th end and, uh, Mm. and that's okay. Just these teams are really good and uh, can she do it and find more success than they found in 2020? And I hope they can. Absolutely. So there you have it. uh, All 18 teams that are heading to Thunder Bay this week, Scott, give it to me now. Let's go with pick your three teams in each pool and then just give me the winner.
1: Oh boy, I, I didn't prepare for this, Sean. I didn't prepare for this. So okay. I'll start in pool B. Uh I'll take BC. I'll take Carrie Anderson, Team Canada. Yep. And Laura Walker. I, I don't okay. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Holly Duncan would be my uh fourth in that pool. And then in pool A, give me Tracy Flurry, give me Krista McCarville and a Holmanless Holman.
0: Okay, so you're saying Chelsea Carey misses out, and I'm going to disagree with you on that. I'm going to go with uh, same Krista McCarville and Tracy Flurry, but I'm going to throw in Chelsea Carey in that mix. And then over in pool number B, I'm going to go with Carrie Anderson. I will go with. Kerry Galusha to get that third spot, have a nice run this week. And then also I will take, yeah, I'll take Laura Walker as well.
1: It's kind of hard not to, right? Eh?
0: It is hard to win. And I'm going to go with, maybe this is a bold choice. I don't know. Kristen McCarvel wins. I've said it on the show before, so I'm going to stick with it. Who do you got to win?
1: Yeah. And uh, that that's going to be my heart pick, Sean, but uh, my head pick, give me the three-peat.
0: Back to back to back or Carrie Anderson is Scott's pick. So there you go. That's it. That's it. Scotty is previewed. Boom. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to the preview. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, your likes rating comments, all that good stuff helps us out, helps grow the show, helps other people find us on the interwebs and then do follow along as we will tweet about all the fun and frivolity from Thunder Bay at game of stones pod. On both twitter and then we'll do some instagramming as well or over on facebook game of stones podcast you can follow along with everything going on there and head on over game of all of our past episodes plus a link to the merch with proceeds to food banks canada and the sandra Schmirler foundation so that'll do it for this episode plan is to be back a little later in the week with some other content as a lot is going on in the world of curling but Scott, you need to take a break. You need to calm yourself down. You need to escape the stress of the last 24 hours. How are you going to do Mm -hmm.
1: that? Uh, I might play a little bit on the computer. I got uh, Saturday night live to watch from this weekend. Heard it was pretty funny. Good. So I got that. Uh, you know what? I might just order pizza tonight because pizza makes me happy.
0: Well, enjoy it. And, uh, Hopefully by the time the curling gets on TV later in the week, you're back in your good mental state. Oh, I, I think I'll be there. Well, uh, So there you go, everybody. Uh, that's our Scotty's preview. Again, thank you for listening. Enjoy the games. We'll be back later in the week. But until then, get those brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert.